0: Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes.
1: Do I, do I jerk off? Yeah. Yeah, I jerk off, yeah. How many times a week? Like um, three, three, four, three or four times, maybe. I'm to pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers in this racket. Look, okay.
0: Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, we got a poor one out for Tony Sirico, aka Polly Walnuts from The Sopranos. What's your favorite Polly Walnuts line?
1: Oh shit, man! First <laughs> of all, I didn't even know that he died. You didn't? No. Yeah, damn. Was I was like so I was I was so busy preparing for this <laughs> 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 for this episode. Uh, oh man. He disrespected the Bing. <laughs> that's that's probably my, if he's the one who said it. <laughs> that's a good one. Something like that. It sounds
0: like, like something he would yeah, say. Yeah, disrespect,
1: don't disrespect the Bing.
0: <laughs> my favorite, there's one where he sees Vito and Bobby Bacala at <laughs> some event and he goes, oh, look at that. It's like an ad for a weight loss center. Before and way before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the performance. <clears throat> that he gives when he goes to to the psychic and he's like mm. really freaked out. Mm-hmm. Like that th- that whole episode, he's just really shook about what's going on. Like
0: <laughs> Yeah, he has a very like he really has a kind of spiritual side and he really believes in a lot of that that stuff. And like yeah. there's a great scene which I forget of him and Tony talking about like snakes and how they like fuck themselves. And that's <laughs> how they the You're Such a Snake comes from. And like Tony was like uh, I thought it was from Adam and Eve. Like, Eden, he's like, snakes are fucking themselves long before Adam and Eve came along. <laughs> Tone. <Don't. Don't laughs> Tone, yeah, or like tea. I think yeah, tea. Yeah. yeah.
1: I just found one that I liked. When someone's talking about their Korean boss, he goes, Word to the wise, remember Pearl Harbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It it that, that the, uh, the, the whole of Sopranos is filled with these great malapropisms of various, it's like, just errors, yeah. historical errors, misquotes.
0: Prejudices, <laughs> you know, wrapped up in, yeah, just a misunderstanding just ignorance, or, yeah. Yeah, and ignorance. Uh, RIP. Yeah, RIP. Uh, he was great. And, you know, he made it to 80 almost. Like, I think it was just a few weeks before 80, so not terrible. Uh, like, I might take that.
1: Yeah. So what? Uh, I will say that now. Yeah, okay, when I'm 79. <laughs> exactly.
0: So, coming up in the second segment, we're going to talk about Eyes Wide Shut, uh, Stanley Kubrick's last movie, the one that got him killed. I think, <laughs> based on what you know, you know what I can discern by the Yale Skull and Bone Society, um, oh, yeah. among other groups. But I think you're a member of the Yale, so maybe you can confirm or deny that.
1: Uh, I can neither. But there is a. Uh, they say that if the, tur- if, the- if the skull and bones name comes up in, ca- in conversation, yeah. if you're a member, you have to get up and walk out of the room. <laughs> no. um, so, For the
0: listeners, Dave has just got up and, and <laughs> walked right. out of the room. And we're back. And we're <laughs> back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're going to talk about that, maybe a little bit about secret sex cults. Um,
1: but in the first segment, there's a different kind of secret sex uh, that we're going to talk about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the,
0: like shameful <laughs> desires. Shameful,
1: dirty secret. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this this uh, was inspired um, by a quote from Rolf Deegan, who, who posted a link with a quote from a new article. This is a, a recent article, brand new, hot off the presses. About um, masturbation and sexual satisfaction in men and women. And the quote was For both men, for both women and men, higher education predicted a high masturbation frequency, which, yeah. was, which was enough to get.
0: Which I thought was going to be what the article was about. It turns out not so much, but like I, I was hooked right there. I mean, high education, high, you know, like I knew it. Like you just have to get your book learning in and you'll know that you got a <laughs> jacket. The, as, as um, often and, as possible
1: that's right the more the more books you read the more potential uh, jerk material you get exposed <laughs> to so uh, it's almost an obvious finding so yeah no the article isn't which means that Rolf Deegan put in some good curation work to to make his tweet a high quality tweet right he yeah. found the thing uh, that that would uh, that would get people like me to read yeah and um, it's like a headline writers you know? <laughs> exactly. um, except for accurate mm-hmm. uh, So, this is a paper by Nantier Fisher and Bente Treen in the Archives of Sexual Behavior, which is a a good article about. You mean a good journal? um, A good journal, yeah. Um, What did I say? (laughs) A good article. A good article. It's a good journal uh, called A Seemingly Paradoxical Relationship Between Masturbation Frequency and Sexual Satisfaction. So, uh, what they did was they uh, gave questionnaires to over 4,000 Norwegians aged 18 through 89 years old. And they were looking at, I think they were interested primarily in sexual satisfaction. So like what predicts whether or not you'll say that you're, you have a satisfying sexual life and the role that masturbation might play in it. But uh, the problem they're trying to solve at least. Most people, I guess, in the literature who study masturbation and sexual satisfaction just studied it sort of in this linear fashion. So you just ask a bunch of people, how much do you jerk off? How, much, how sexually satisfied are you? But that might hide some interesting patterns. And those patterns is what they were uh, looking for in, in this paper. So what they did was they looked at four different clusters. So like types of people, people who masturbate a lot versus people who don't masturbate a lot, People who report being high in sexual satisfaction and people who report being low in sexual satisfaction or high in dissatisfaction. And then they looked at men and women separately. And you know why it's so important to look at men and women separately? One of the reasons, Tamler.
0: Uh oh. Why? <laughs>
1: well, it's because the <laughs> scale time. Act- <laughs> no, it's just that uh, what, is, what counts as high and low masturbation oh, for yeah. men and women turns out to be pretty different. Yeah. So, women on average report uh, reported that they masturbated two to three times a month, and men on average report masturbating two to three times a week. Uh, yeah. So,
0: so four like, times as often. <laughs> exactly. I guess, like, if you'd asked me to, like, just off the top of my head to guess, I would have probably guessed something like that.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to reveal. I thought you were gonna uh, give us. Your- no, no, <laughs> not uh,
0: I'm not going to contribute to them resolving the paradox. I'm still not sure <laughs> what the paradox is. Can you now, explain that? It's psychologists,
1: like par- I'll explain that psychologists uh, like to use the term paradox when all they mean is like puzzle or maybe like interesting question. Um, right. I think what they mean by the paradox was uh, this particular finding that they have, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, Which is that if you look at women who have frequent sexual intercourse, masturbation actually makes them even higher in sexual satisfaction. Right. So uh, if they're getting a lot and they masturbate, that's like additive. Um, It's like complementary. But men who uh, get lots of sexual intercourse masturbate less.
0: Norwegians.
1: (laughs) Norwegians. That's right. Are you saying they're not men?
0: If I'm that, saying if, that maybe, like, when you have, like, four, like three hours of daylight in the winter, like, who knows what <laughs> the fuck you're going to do.
1: Right. <laughs> Norwegian <laughs> listeners, please let us know <laughs> if, that's true. if
0: you If you feel like your masturbation uh, habits are influenced by being living in, in Norway.
1: In the dark. And is the dark? I guess it's easier to hide your dirty secret in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> Even the angels have a harder time seeing. <laughs> um, and so, so they say it's a, it's compensatory in men. So it looks like men ha- like jack off because they're not getting sex, and women uh, jack off when they're getting sex. They're more likely to. Do
0: you say um, jack off for women?
1: I don't think so. Uh, jill off. Would you prefer me? To yeah, say jill off. off? <laughs> That's good. Um, I, I, I was trying to keep it egalitarian. Uh, so also men this is a, a shocking finding men who watch a lot of pornography yeah also masturbate a lot <laughs> paradoxically <laughs> Paradox. but those but they were more likely to to report um being sexually dissatisfied so really what's going on is that like for women masturbation seems to have this property uh, like of more often making them uh more satisfied with their sexual life it's like the cherry
0: on top of their exactly.
1: sex life. Ooh, cherry very good yeah. um and the more the more men jerk off like maybe the less happy they are yeah probably that's
0: like they're about to shoot up a, a club
1: <laughs> that's, that's sad but true um not in countries like Norwegian ones where they have no. to just no guns. They, just have they to can't like, just go just take, and take buy back. like a
0: semi-automatic <laughs> yeah. AK-47 or whatever.
1: Um, but it was true, as Rolf Deegan uh, tweeted, both men and women with higher education were more likely to report high masturbation. Also, more likely to report being sexually dissatisfied.
0: Yeah, men and women.
1: Yeah. Universal. It's <laughs> universally Do you think that's- true.
0: Because and this could relate to the um the second segment, but that their minds have been broadened to like the possible of what their sex life could be like, and so, uh, I see. Uh, Maybe they they think that there's this world of sexual gratification out there that they're not getting, whereas uh, uh, maybe less educated people don't have that um, perhaps false impression of what's going on in uh, in in places that they aren't welcome or something or that they don't um, frequent.
1: Yeah, I don't know. So I I like the hypothesis mainly because it's it's sort of the most charitable reading of what's going on. Like our minds are so broad. <laughs> it's not just that we get a lot less pussy. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think it's that that uh, both men and women with higher education jerk off more because uh, b- because grad school is a terrible place to meet, <laughs> meet other people. Whereas if you're like just if you're out of high school, say you're say you're 19 years old and you never went to college, and, and you're just going to happy hour every Friday after work, and then getting wasted Saturday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, and you're just you're just clocking yeah. it left and right. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's probably the the truth. <laughs> so go into leave academia. I don't know. Is there a way to repudiate your like? uh phd you know like (laughs) i think like
1: that's why the matt damon character in goodwill hunting was so reluctant to pursue his intellectual ambitions he he knew that it would mean no shit-faced happy hours to get some
0: well actually let me ask you one question before we talk about the implications this sexual script theory this is the thing that perked my curiosity about this field um, so, in the study aim, it's uh, you alluded to this. They they write research on masturbation has been limited and only concentrated on linear processes linking masturbation with sexual satisfaction because there seems to be a lack of commonly shared instructions for masturbation. Kirschbaum and Peterson, two thousand eighteen. It is reasonable to assume that people may rather fall into different masturbation sexual satisfaction groupings, and that there is not a linear relationship. So, what does that mean? That there is a lack of commonly shared instructions, and I, I think that's referring to the <laughs> scripts. But
1: yeah, I, I read that and was at first puzzled because I thought they were making a methodological point about like t- like how to instruct somebody to masturbate. But <laughs>
0: there's no like, like <laughs> you know clack canonical just text <laughs> <laughs> there's no um, what to expect when you're expecting for masturbation
1: I think what they might be referring to is that that maybe for men admit even admitting to masturbating at a certain age, like probably going up to high school, is taken as shameful um, that that you're I don't know about less of a man, but you certainly can't get some it It, it is a feature of the failed um sexuality that you that you are unable like masturbation is merely a <clears throat> crutch for people who can't have orgasms the real way and, and i think i don't that,
0: remember that being part of the sexual script of my high school years i mean because first of all like none of us were really getting anything <laughs> like at least in my <laughs> group of friends
1: so if somebody asked you in eighth grade like do you jerk off would you just say yeah
0: well, eighth grade is different. Like that's okay. or, that's like young likes. And we yeah. just didn't talk about that stuff. Um, I didn't anyway. I'm sure eighth graders do. I saw the movie Kids. but
1: uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was not that kind of an eighth grader. <laughs> no, um, me neither. Yeah. So somewhere in my experience, some, somewhere in those years, although, you know, my my high school was religious. So we probably had more of this. But it wasn't until, like, college that I knew guys just freely admitting to to masturbating. Um, in in high school, especially early high school, it was like, ooh, you you jerk off, haha, you jerk off.
0: Like, and that might be, like, peak frequency. It's, like, 15, 16, you know. Like, <laughs> you're
1: doing it all the you're time. You're doing
0: it fucking in school. Like, you're just, like, humping desks <laughs> in school.
1: yeah 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 it really is back of my oceanography
0: class like
1: (laughs) it's so dumb that any boy would deny it and that other boys wouldn't just all uh uh, have an understanding that every single other guy is doing it like it
0: there was one guy in my group of friends who sat at a very late stage maybe like 18 or something (laughs) like that he had never really masturbated or like oh i had a friend like that too yeah
1: liar i call him (laughs)
0: I I believed this friend like it it kind of fit with other aspects of his personality and like it's it didn't last like I remember that being just shocking and like everybody else saying like that's that's crazy
1: right I did have friends though who said like I don't I don't masturbate I get some like you don't get some like you don't get any like but I think for women and women can let us know um, because obviously I don't have that experience but I think that that's just less of a like there's more just general Um, reluctance to talk about female sexuality broadly and that women who are masturbating are having orgasms in a way that women who aren't masturbating and who even are having sex at a young age aren't having at all and so it's sort of serving a different function um,
0: yeah and also like well i don't think it was necessarily thought of as shameful at least in the, the context where i grew up it was always just hot when women like <laughs> masturbated and it was like, Ooh, like it was, there was something that made her more of like a s- sexual being, a
1: sexual being. That's right. Yeah. And I think that, that young women just are, are like, don't, it's just not, uh, talked about like they're not, it, it's not like, uh, with men who are talking about their dicks since they're in like third grade. Um, yeah. You know, there are some women who don't even look at their genitals in a mirror until they're like w- way old. So they they might not even know how it works. <laughs> like 80 years it. old and they're like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there are women, I think, who never masturbate. There are more women who never masturbate. And there are more women who never have orgasms. And there are women who the first and only time that they get an orgasm is from masturbating. They don't get it from it yeah. turns out, Tamler, that maybe 17-year-old boys aren't the best at,
0: and sex, at, giving, yeah.
1: at giving orgasms too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we're just getting started then. If yeah. you. <laughs> Give us a couple of years I, as highly I do, educated uh, boys. I do we'll be wonder how
1: at. much of this is culturally variable because what they're alluding to is different quote-unquote scripts for masturbation um, being culturally determined. Um, they're talking about the differences between male and female, especially. And they're saying that it's cultural. But could it just be that across, that this is one of these biological sex differences that you, would, that, that you see this kind of thing across the board, whether you're a Norwegian uh, uh, woman or, or I don't know, sub-Saharan African woman or an Asian I don't know. That's Substack territory <laughs> right there. Do the Jews say anything about, not that you're the expert on this, but is
0: it, <laughs> we, is we it, turn to noted Jew <laughs> expert Somers, Rabbi Summers.
1: <laughs> Rabbi Summers. It was once asked, uh, "Does is, is does the Lord frown upon masturbation?"
0: Well, there is that thing where somebody spills the seed. I forget who. Yeah,
1: Onan. Uh, so he was he was supposed to fulfill his, his Leverite duty. Uh, mm-hmm. To um, his his brother died, and his duty was to uh, impregnate. His brother's widow because she didn't have any kids. And so he took advantage of the, he he wasn't following the the spirit of the law. He like, he's like actually had sex with her and then pulled out. And since that time, the term onanism has been used to refer to masturbation, but really his sin was that he didn't, that he pulled pulled out. out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the Christians. Yeah. By the way, the Christians hate it. <laughs> it's a weird, like, there's uh, clearly there's like a million citations in this paper. It's clearly something a lot of people work on. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like neurotic and pathological, <laughs> like how much they cite people just to just like any kind of sentence. But but I was still trying to figure out just get it, get my handle on like what it exactly is it contributing or exploring, and I never fully got it. I think this discussion helped. I guess it's just to, I don't know, flesh out the complexities of masturbating versus, like, how sexually satisfied you are apart from that. Um,
1: Yeah, I think maybe they're they're frustrated with the take-home message that just, in general, masturbation is related to sexual satisfaction in this way, when in reality it's related just depending. It's like it's one of those papers that's adding nuance. I think that they're onto something that women who are having frequent sex and are supplementing their sex with their own masturbation, that they might be the happiest. Um, and and that is interesting because then it's not, you know, it's just moving away from a more simplistic, um, view of how sexuality works.
0: But yeah, that, that, and, and I, and it makes sense that, um, that that would be the case. Um, and then
1: with men, we just want orgasms and the quality of orgasms I think is, uh, it is ranked with another human being is at the top yeah and like a, yeah, like alone with porn is like the next is,
0: yeah and then um yeah like <laughs> having like a like a shameful wet dream is something
1: <laughs> yeah somewhere in there there's like the you know the victoria's secret in the bathroom <laughs> right
0: <laughs> the adam and eve catalog <laughs> uh, uh,
1: enlightening <laughs>
0: No, I've, I've learned a lot about, like, other people's sex lives and maybe my own.
1: <laughs>
0: if I had to, like, pursue this line of research, learn more about it, I would want to know more about these sexual scripts. And, like, because there's this line where they said there's one theory that says it's all socially constructed. Like, everything about sex and masturbation is socially constructed. Um, and that's where all the scripts come from. And you really just have to look at the, the norms of the yeah. the group.
1: Yeah. Like when do you do it? And, and even like, I think there are some people who view, um, if you're in a relationship, say you're married, then you shouldn't be masturbating like on the side.
0: That's not my <laughs> sexual script.
1: <laughs> there will be no scripts on the night. <laughs> <My> instructions. <laughs>
0: You know what you could use for the opening quote here is the thing from Matthew McConaughey in Wolf of Wall Street. He has this line where he asks Leo, like, how often do you jerk off? And he's like, I don't know, like a few times a week. And he says, too low. I jerk (laughs) jerk off at least three or four times a day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll find this. All right. Um, Speaking of sexual dissatisfaction, um, sexual fantasies, insecurities, inadequacies. We'll be right back to talk about Eyes Wide Shut. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Here's a question, how well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same one your entire life? I guess you'd take care of it pretty well, right? Take it for oil changes, check the brakes, check the tire pressure, uh, tune-ups, all, I need to do all of this stuff. Well, that's how our brains work. So why don't we treat them that way? Now, of course, it's complicated, and if you've listened to us for the last 10 years or so, you'd know that you can't really disentangle us and our brains in this way. But I think the point here that's being made is absolutely right. Our mental life, our minds are so fundamental, so basic to our experience that we take it for granted. We don't invest enough time and care into keeping them healthy, to developing good habits, successful ways to deal with all of life's problems. Now, there are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain. I use meditation. People can learn a new language. You can take power naps. I mean, I can't, but some people can. You just get more sleep in general. And there's also BetterHelp online therapy. Look, I know so many people who have maybe been initially dubious about therapy, but who have tried it, and it has turned their lives around. It helps them develop better habits, it helps them understand themselves better, helps them understand what are some of the root causes of the things that make them unhappy, and it has worked wonders. Well, BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you, you don't have to see anybody on camera if you don't want to, and you know, therapy can be really expensive, and if that's what's keeping you away, maybe try BetterHelp because it's so much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. So why not give it a try? And as always, our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com VBW. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash VBW. Give BetterHelp a try. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Yeah. Yo, check it one for Charlie Hustle, super for Steady Rock. Yeah. Three For the forthcoming live future shot It's five dimensions, six senses Seven yeah. firmaments of heaven to hell Eight million stories to tell Nine planets faithfully keeping yeah. over with the probable test The universe expands left The body of my tax possess extra strength yeah. How old lift the mess up? Out of this tower in infernal? inferno My ink so hot it burned through the journal I'm blacking at it. midnight on bro Where you myrtle Hip-hop past all your tall social hurdles Like the nationwide pride This prison industry complex working class poor better keep your alarms set Street's too loud to ever hear freedom rings say evacuate back in sleep It's dangerous to dream, yeah. but your chain cat that you your foul Dead now, killing fields need blood to graze the cash cow Some numbers game, but shit don't add up somehow Welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. This is the time in every episode where we like to take a moment and thank all of our listeners for all the different ways you interact with us, get in touch with us. Um, we, We appreciate that so much that we record one of these new things every single episode because we want to have the opportunity to express our gratitude. And you know, a lot of podcasts don't do that. If you would like to, uh, be a part of the Very Bad Wizards community. You can email us at verybadwizards at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at peas... For David, at Tamler for me, and at Very Bad Wizards for the joint account. You can follow us on Instagram. You can join the thriving community on Reddit. And there's been just a lot of good stuff on the Reddit page in the last couple of months. I've been enjoying it. I know you're, like, trying to wean yourself off Reddit <laughs> in general. Right?
1: I'm trying to become somebody who reads real books, you know.
0: <laughs> That's good, yeah uh that's way better although there was uh there was a funny thread about paul bloom is he really that nice a guy and there was oh one, i did see uh, that yeah there was one just very funny um like just anecdote about running into <laughs> paul bloom at a supermarket <laughs> strongly <laughs> recommended <laughs> <it>. um, <laughs> i gotta i thought that was very funny Um, uh, please rate us on Apple Podcasts that helps other people find us and thank you so much we really appreciate um, all the interaction and the community that's been built around this podcast yeah thanks and listen on Spotify oh yes Um, subscribe and listen on Spotify
1: and if you want to help us in more tangible ways you can always go to our verybadwizards.com support page and you can see all the ways you can do that there you can Give us a one-time or recurring donation on PayPal. You can buy some swag, t-shirts, mugs, um, and you can join our wonderful cast of Patreon supporters. And if you do that, uh, you get a few perks. At a dollar and up, you get all ad-free episodes, and you get all my beats. At two dollars and up, you get all of our bonus segments including i think Tamler, we made the decision right before recording yes um, we're definitely going to do a set of deadwood episodes you know there's 36 episodes so we're thinking maybe doing an episode for every two uh, deadwood episodes yeah. um, we haven't nailed that down but that's going to be fun um and yeah we look forward to to the journey of rewatch with some of you because some of you really encouraged us to uh to do yeah, it, we so.
0: had a lot uh, enough support, like the support uh, yeah. we were looking for to dive into this. And nobody be- said no, <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> right? Because <do> <laughs> why
1: would you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so at five dollars and up, you can vote on an episode topic, which you were just nudged to do this morning, I think, uh, post um, the call for episode topics. And at $5 and up, you get to vote on one of those topics. Um, You also get access to our Brothers Karamazov series, um, intro psych videos, Tamlers lecture videos. um, And finally... Oh, and I forgot to say, at $2 and up, one of those bonus segments includes getting to listen to our Ask Us Anything. But at $10 and up, you get to ask us the questions. Um, and you get to see us on video, awkwardly wishing that we could edit video. <laughs> right. exactly. <laughs> That's the theme. Everybody's <laughs> wishing that somehow
0: that could those Ask Us Anythings could uh, be edited. But can you believe uh, we've done 10 of
1: them? And no I can't it's uh, it's crazy Um, and they're fun like I actually you know I look
0: forward to recording (laughs) when we don't
1: exhaust ourselves for (laughs) two hours of talking Um, so anyway thank you to everybody for all your support we really appreciate it Um, yeah thank you
0: thanks so much All right, let's talk about Eyes Wide Shut, um, a a conversation I've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, So I hope we we step it up for this. (laughs) Um, It's one of those where I'm nervous, you know, like about talking about it because it's like I don't want to miss this opportunity. Um,
1: You don't basically what you're saying is you don't want David to not bring his A game.
0: Um, No, no, no. I I actually worry about myself (laughs) in this, uh, too. So this is directed, of course, by Stanley Kubrick. It was his last movie. He died right before its release. They say peacefully in his sleep, but I mean, come on. It's starring Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. I'm sure we'll talk about their performances. And also Sidney Pollack, who's great in it, as Victor Ziegler, Um, based on a novella called dream story by the austrian novelist arthur schnitzler um which takes place in early 20th century vienna but aside from updating it to like late 90s new york it's very faithful to the source material like i looked at i didn't read the novel i but i looked at a synopsis of it and it's um he follows it pretty faithfully no i did the same thing yeah Yeah. exactly
1: i was like oh this is it's, you know, it's not like The Shining, like the author right. would that must, probably- <laughs> that's what I was thinking. That must have
0: pissed Stephen King off so much is that he stuck to this one, that, like the dream- <laughs> Oh, novel. now! Now yes. you
1: can do it! <laughs> yeah.
0: It was released on July 16th, 1999, which is an anniversary of the moon landing, which he also wow. was uh, responsible for. Of course. Uh, uh, it, got, it, it had mixed reviews, like pretty much all of his movies, like critics- always get a little bit, I don't know, contemptuous of him. They, they feel like every time they see a movie of his, they need to take out whatever grievances they have at, against a certain kind of cinema. And then like a few years later, they, they realize like, oh wait, shit, this is like a masterpiece. Um, but then like enough time, like he took so long between movies that they forget yeah. that that's the pattern, you know?
1: Right. I, I will say though, that it's not, um, entirely, The fault of the critics. Uh, How do I say this? He makes movies that take time to sink into culture in a way, in a way that like, I get it. Like, I don't blame the critics for the first time they saw 2001 being like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Um, Yeah. No,
0: that's right. Uh, I read that Scorsese attributed the reaction to it um, as it's a, it's a dream story and we can talk about that, but it doesn't. Announce itself as a dream story. That's why he said the cri- the critics, you know, like didn't get on its wavelength, and it really doesn't. And not only did does the movie not announce itself up like that, that it was not marketed like that. It was marketed as this is going to be like the sexiest movie (laughs) you've ever seen. And if there's one thing this movie is not, it's the sexiest movie that probably anyone has ever seen. I don't Uh, think Kubrick
1: was good at sexy? Uh, Not that (laughs) he tried.
0: I don't know that he tried, you know, and (laughs) I certainly don't think he's trying to in this movie. (laughs) But I think you're absolutely right. This is a movie that you need to see more than once. I I don't think I appreciated it even remotely like I appreciate it now the first time I saw it.
1: I for sure didn't because I was watching it at the, when it came out mm. and the Nicole uh, Kidman Tom Cruise relationship was you know like they were the fucking couple in Hollywood that, like whatever yeah. everybody was like talking about and I think that harmed that really harmed the way that it was marketed or at least perceived the expectations the expectations yeah. I have I have I I think it was a casting choice that i would if i were stanley kubrick be second guessing not that he second guesses himself at all but but oh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh
0: it was a famously long shoot 400 days that's crazy uh, which is insane and you know you got to give nicole kidman and tom cruise credit like yeah. they sacrificed their marriage to whatever extent it was a real marriage and uh just like absolutely burgeoning careers like you know uh Tom Cruise is in the middle of making like the second Mission Impossible movie, but he has to keep putting it off to, <laughs> um, or maybe it's the first one. I don't remember, but, uh, you know, like that's a, that's pretty big deal to just take yourself out as a cast member for, for that long. Apparently Harvey Keitel was going to play. Have you heard the story? No. The, the Sidney Pollack character, Victor, and he, w- not only was going to, they shot a bunch of scenes. And then they did the famous scene where they showed Tom Cruise and, and Victor walking through the door in the scene at the end of the movie and he was they just just them walking through the door he shot like a hundred takes of it and then Harvey Keitel just walked off the set he's like you guys are fucking out of your mind like I'm <laughs> not doing this anymore so then they replaced him with Sidney Pollack yeah. I actually think Sidney Pollack is great in it
1: yeah no he is great
0: i don't know like i i watched it again i've watched it a bunch of times and a bunch of times fairly recently for whatever reason crossed my mind is this my favorite kubrick movie and i oh, don't wow. i don't know if that's true but it's up there because there's just so much in it and there's so much to like i don't know toss around and 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 think about and you can take it in so many different directions it's a real text in a way like i guess a, all of his movies are but there's something about this one that invites you know depending on what interpretive mood you're in you can really just uh let your imagination run pretty wild with it and um and like it rewards that kind of viewing i think
1: yeah definitely there's a distinction that um that well, i'm going to try to make uh, that might explain why i don't feel like this is in my top kubrick movies like my top three um, even though I really like it a lot. Um, and that is that thing that you just said about inviting lots of different interpretations, I feel like can be done in, in one of two ways. One is in making the story, like say a clockwork orange, the story is the story and we, we know what's going on and we know what, we kind of see what the critique of society is and what the satire is, what the target is we can appreciate it on different levels. This one, I feel like he's potentially commenting on so many different things that it feels like there's less focus in his, I I don't know how to describe it. The target of his uh, critique or satire or commentary seems broader than it does for, even with something like 2001, which is all over the place. And because of that, Like I feel like he took too much on.
0: Yeah, I guess I can see that. So it's—I would say it's definitely about dreams on some some level. I think it's kind of a fool's errand to try to locate with any precision what's a dream and what isn't. Yeah. But I also think it's about. A marriage and and feelings of sexual inadequacy in a marriage and like dark desires and fear of what your part the dark desires of right. the your your spouse and it's a fear of being on the outside looking in. It's about like being a kind of upper middle class but yeah. but outside the circle of extreme wealth and it's definitely yeah. and, and and what it feels like to be excluded. Right. Yeah. And I also think it's definitely a movie. I, this was on this viewing. This stuck out so much about like dehumanization and like how. Uh, women are objectified and looked at as pretty much like dolls uh, or robots or prostitutes. Like and how the super like wealthy elite views like the rest of the people really as these kinds of objects to manipulate with, play with, um, like you would play with dolls. Like, so, and, and those are all different things, like feelings of inadequacy within a marriage. It's also just sex, you know, confusion about sex.
1: Masculinity, insecurity about masculinity.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah.
1: So there is a lot. Well, let me add more to that. There is, um, deeply Freudian themes yeah, like, uh, about sex and its relationship with life and death. Um, at, on top of all that, sociology that you mentioned about class uh, and about um, bumping into being excluded um, from different classes. Yeah. The commentary about, like, arguably, there's really only one woman in this whole movie. Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then finally, you have potentially. Uh, some sort of commentary on the decadence of of the rich in in society yeah. Um,
0: and possibly about pedophilia and yeah. like you know like a precursor to what we learned with the all the Epstein sh- stuff you know yeah. like all that horrific stuff there's definitely allusions to that we'll talk about the final scene which has been interpreted in ways that support yeah. that that's what the, that's what this movie yeah. is uncovering or at least gesturing at um so yeah
1: and i think <laughs> and i think i guess i guess the difference between cuz I, I think you could interpret Uh, other Kubrick movies on maybe just as many levels. The difference is I feel like he really was trying to to say something on all these levels. Like I think he actually was. This was like his last work and he spent so long thinking about this. You know, he'd been wanting to make a movie based on that novella. For so long. For like 40 years or 30 years at least.
0: Um, Yeah. And And I think one of the things that even today reviews and analyses like Miss about it is that it is a comedy and that he thought of it as a comedy and, and, and it doesn't tr- it doesn't play like a comedy exactly but he explicitly thought of it as, as a comedy when he first was thinking of doing it and thought of Steve Martin in the lead and also Woody <laughs> Allen which like imagine Woody Allen as the lead in this movie and uh, some of the themes might crystallize but I, I, I you know and I think it's also autobiographical to, uh, to some mm-hmm. extent like it's like Kubrick examining himself and yeah. his own kind of position in society and his own Position in this world of like Hollywood uh, wealth and also like Hollywood sex parties and all these things that maybe um, so I mean there's a lot of ways we can go with it but like we should definitely go through
1: yeah
0: uh, scene by scene in terms of the plot it's about a married couple Dr Bill Harford and his wife Alice uh, you know that Bill is a doctor because he says so like 50 times in the movie
1: <laughs> right these <laughs> these are the comedy beats that that you might <laughs> miss because you're so into the, like the mystery of the sex cult, you, you, <laughs> you don't realize like that, that this is that he's a b- buffoon.
0: <laughs> he really is, and he has this thing. He has this habit of repeating very slowly the last thing that everyone says to him. You texted me that this was his most Lynchian movie, yeah. And there's one. Absolute parallel, which is in in the third season of Twin Peaks, there's this character called Dougie. You haven't seen this, but listeners who have will know what I'm talking about. Where that's what he does. He just repeats the last thing that everybody says to him. But but Dougie is like very complicated in terms of trying to figure out what the Dougie character is supposed to be. But he's not what he's definitely not supposed to be is like a normal person interacting with right. the world. And whereas Tom Cruise is, and he still does that. And I guess there's a lot of ways to interpret why he's doing that. But it, it's it's a vulnerable performance by Tom Cruise because like you. Said, he's a bit of a buffoon like right. it's like a lot of it is almost like the movie is making fun of him because i do think it's about fundamentally a lot of his insecurities not tom cruise's necessarily although it certainly plays on some of the tom cruise persona but like about the characters insecurities
1: yeah. it's one of the reasons that it felt lynching to me is the dialogue you know Kubrick tells his stories visually and with this, sometimes I guess it doesn't matter so much what the characters are saying, so much so that, that in some parts of his, large portions of some movies don't have dialogue. Um, and, or they uh, have the most boring The most dialogue. boring dialogue. Like in dialogue.
0: 2001, right. like the, the, there's a lot of com- scenes where people are just, ta- what they're saying is so boring, you <laughs> yeah, can't even yeah, believe right. it's in the movie.
1: If you thought that like the meeting at the space dock about like, yeah. was going to yeah. have anything to do with the plot, like you'd be wrong. The Tom, but here there's a lot of dialogue, and it feels stilted to me in a way that is not necessarily bad, but in a way that Lynch, uh, you you know much more about Lynch than me, but that like that kind of let me say things very clearly in a way that is almost absurd that you're saying it. It felt like that's what felt Lynchian to me or part of what, what did where like there's some, abs- there's an absurd way in which they're communicating with, you. they're saying things that are obvious, repeating themselves.
0: But, it, but then there's also this kind of what there isn't that. Uh, it's not that there's not surrealism in this movie because there is, but there's, it's, it's played straighter than yeah, a lot of Lynchian movies. Absolutely.
1: You, um, that's That's what I think is confusing that you don't know what you're going confusing. into. You think it's going to be, this if you thought it was going to be a straightforward movie about this couple who has to deal with jealousy, then... It's a failure as that
0: movie. Yeah, or at least like on that level, on a that realistic level. Yes. depiction of a couple that is dealing with like possible but never actual right. infidelities. Right. Nicole Kidman's performance is similarly weird. Yeah, uh, like she, she's definitely one of like the greatest lightweights in cinema history. <laughs> she has like one glass of champagne or like like smokes like half of a joint of like the yeah. shittiest weed imaginable, and she's just fucked up, <laughs> like just w- wasted. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's the one long scene, the longest scene where they're <laughs> yeah. where they're talking to each other. I couldn't help but think, not gonna lie, this this is not good acting. Um, oh see. I,
0: I yeah. Well, I think he got the performances that he wanted out of her and him
1: in that scene. Uh, it it it's maybe it did it. I mean, I was thinking a lot about it as I was watching it, and I was like. This bedroom scene seems stilted. It seems way more expositional. And maybe he wanted that. Like, maybe he did. You know, he famously would have people do things like a 100 times because he thought that when they were completely exhausted, their true humanity, their true performance, forgetting cameras would come out. And I just don't know if that worked on Nicole Kidman. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I see. Okay, we totally disagree about yeah. this, but I'll. But we'll get to that scene yeah. uh, cool. when we get that. Yeah, yeah. I actually think so. When you said Lynch, I said Kafka. That combination of what appears more straightforward, like in the trial, you know, there's a lot of seemingly realistic things that are going on, and, and the way he talks isn't as obviously, I don't know, uh, surreal or um, absurd. Um, it's more just the combination of all the elements make it absurd, and also about a kind of character that is on the outside, and there's all these secret things going on that the character don't, doesn't have have access to like I, I was thinking Kafka is a good analog for, for this movie and the dreaminess of it reminds me of the dreaminess of Kafka in that unlike Lynch at least for me they remind me of actual dreams just the way that every time he's like almost about to have sex with somebody someone like get like it gets called <laughs> away you know like some, it sure reminds gets you of up. your dreams <laughs> <laughs> right. it's like day de, day of sex like interrupt deus, you fucking <laughs> It's just like I don't know, like yeah, but we'll we'll get through it. Let's 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 go. um, Um, Just really quickly, uh,
1: do you think that there is um, that there is an allusion being made to Alice and Through the Looking Glass, like Alice in Wonderland? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, probably right. Somebody did point out that that you know there's throughout throughout there's all these like trans the transactional nature of society is a deep theme, and for him to be called Doctor Bill. Is, is clearly yeah. has to be
0: on purpose. And the first line of the movie, honey, have you seen my wallet? Yeah, yeah. So like, I think right off the bat, it announces itself as this is about money and wealth.
1: And the, the dream story, the novella that it was based on, Tram Novell, um, is deeply Freudian. And yeah. uh, there's, I, I'll have more to say <laughs> about that, um, about the Freudian. Type. I think yeah, it's good. deeply Freudian, yeah.
0: So yeah, so it starts out, they're getting ready to go to this party um it's it's dr bill harford and his wife you know this was a big deal at the time we're gonna see like nicole kidman naked yeah. and but it's it, it never fully gives you the thing that you're probably looking for if you're first going into it you know uh, it's not that it doesn't show her like it does show her like bare ass and her breasts at certain points but it's always in these like like on the toilet or yeah. um in in the a kind of
1: dream sequences or the, the fantasy yeah. sequences
0: yeah. So they're, they're getting ready. She's asking him how she looks, perhaps announcing that that's like the big, that's her role is to look beautiful, you know, yeah. in the relationship. But, and he's like, you look great. Like he's very complacently like you look good, but he's not even looking at her. And she notes that, uh, yeah.
1: Her comment that you're not even looking, uh, you're not, yeah. or you're not even paying attention or something is I, I took it as a good meta comment about what, about how one should watch the movie.
0: Right. You actually look at what's going on. And they have this nice Upper West Side apartment. We'll learn that it's nothing like the apartment. You think they're rich. You're like, oh, they're rich. Yeah. Uh, but uh, where they're about to go is uh, at a different in a different stratosphere of of wealth. And um, and I think the bathroom actually is a great example of that, because you have this scene in the bathroom and they're kind of cramped in there. You know, like yeah. it's it's just New York. So it's Manhattan. So they're on the like Central Park West. They're going to have like they're not going to have the biggest place. Right. But when you that's like mirrored by the bathroom scene at the party where like the guy has like a couch in his bathroom.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. It took me a like. It took me a while to even realize that it was the bathroom that that scene was shot in. <laughs>
0: exactly right. You just all of a sudden, like halfway through the scene, you it's notice like, oh, that there's a, a, toilet, there. there's a yeah, toilet. Yeah, in yeah. a bathtub. You know, maybe just say this right now. Like we read, or we read a, a couple of things in common. One of which is introducing sociology yeah. with by Tim Kreider, a very famous article. He was definitely someone who took the movie seriously when it first came out, and it's a great essay. I don't fully agree with all of it, but one of the things. That it, the sort of thesis of it is that there are these kind of upper middle class strivers trying to get into this ultra elite uh, circle of wealth and constantly kind of getting rebuffed or learning what their place really is. And I think there's a lot to that. The one thing I don't see in the movie, like others have, is that they are these strivers that they're trying to move up the social ladder. Do you
1: get that sense from them? It's certainly
0: subtle if it if uh, if if that is what they're doing.
1: I don't I, I don't get that sense. And I think that to the extent that we are shown that the differences in social classes, the like the almost you're almost part of it, is not because they want to be part of it. It's just because, well, there just is this different class. And so they happen to be in this situation as a couple where he is a uh, friend of one of his patients who is rich enough to invite him. And, and Nicole Kidman Alice says, why do we get invited to these things again? And yeah. he says, you know, it's because uh, this is what you get when you make house calls. So, right. so they are being exposed to the next level up, but not because they're trying.
0: Unless just the uh, the fact that he's doing house yeah. calls and the fact that he goes to later in the movie to someone's house who's already dead. Yeah. And it's not even clear why he's dead except maybe to like talk to the family right. and, you know. Right. Um, so unless that's that's the only aspect of, they don't seem to... Be uh, climbers. Like, it, yeah. yeah, not in an obvious way uh, right. In, right. in any case. Uh, one thing in their apartment, they have a babysitter. The daughter asks if the, she can stay up and and watch the nutcracker because this is a christmas movie yeah we didn't say that
1: but this is set in christmas um yeah and there is not i don't know that there is a scene without a christmas decoration or light
0: well there is one okay the orgy that's the only place (laughs) that doesn't have a christmas tree
1: you don't have people in masks at your christmas parties
0: it's the only scene where there's not like a christmas tree and christmas lights and stuff like that it's its own it's its own thing (laughs) Um, so Sidney Pollack and his wife, um, Victor, Victor Ziegler, Victor, you know, like he's the winner yeah. uh, at life. They greet them. They start dancing. They have that exchange that you talked about. Then he sees someone that he knows, this piano player, Nick Nightingale. Great name, yeah. Nick Nightingale. And uh, the band is taking a break. So he talks to them. Nick Nightingale went to med school with him 10 years ago, dropped out to, uh, or maybe finished, but didn't want to become a doctor and ended up being a a jazz pianist that has a family in seattle i guess and they it's an interesting little scene because they're talking and at a certain point nick nightingale gets called away because he's part of the band and they're like all right we need you you got to come back so like it's he's the help and that will later be be mirrored like the same thing will be true of of dr bill right Um,
1: in in fact dr bill will soon get called in what i would say is a more respectful way um, slightly, slightly, yeah. but nonetheless, a reminder that, that this is why you're here too.
0: He is the, he's also the help. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So while he's talking to Nick Nightingale, Alice goes to the bar, <laughs> has like just, I don't know, like a half a glass of champagne and then starts getting seduced by the slimiest Hungarian <laughs> in history, which probably is saying something. Um, I, you know.
1: I, uh, made a note that I remember when I first saw the movie, I thought, <laughs> I thought he was like this creepy old man. And I was like, <laughs> actually, he's just a refined gentleman. Maybe he's this talking time. a little too close to her, you know. But <laughs>
0: He he, uh, he drinks her champagne. She says, I think that's my champagne that you drank out of it. And he goes, I'm actually certain. I'm certain of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he know. also says, I'm Hungarian.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, I'm Hungarian. What's his name? Sandor Savost? Savost, uh, yeah. Already, like, you have... I would say the acting up till this point hasn't raised any eyebrows. Um, But then all of a sudden, Nicole Kidman just seems, like, almost, like, drugged. She's so drunk all of a sudden. She wasn't drunk when they were dancing. She went over to get a glass of champagne, and now all of a sudden, it's, like, either, like, he, like, roofied her, or, like, there's something about (laughs) him that intoxicates her, or I don't know,
1: but... uh, Or she was doing... Yeah, yeah, she did did some benzos in the... Right before. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think you he roofied her because he drinks uh, most of her champagne. True. So yeah. maybe some there's something playing with time, very consistent with yeah. the dream time. Um,
0: very consistent with the dream time and just their conversation. He is just Uh, hitting it hard, like, from the get-go. He's like, why are you married? Like, what is it? You could have any man in this place. And then he tells her that women used to just get married so they could fuck everybody. That's The the only reason is so that they could lose their virginity to this one guy and then just fuck everybody else. Which is also funny because later... Dr. Bill will say the opposite, that women don't want to have sex. You know, meanwhile, oh, yeah. he is trying to seduce her by telling her that women are just full-on sexual beings, full of just desire and lust. And,
1: right, uh, well, they had different scripts for uh, females sex. out <laughs> um, Exactly. Uh, he, says, he says to her at some point, uh, one of the charms of marriage is that it makes deception a necessity for both parties. And yeah. that, again, gets completely denied um, in that, the other conversation, yeah.
0: It's it's so funny because like it's such a like that he has so many lines like that like yeah. are you familiar with the works of the poet Ovid <laughs> and the, he's great this yeah. guy
1: and he's like uh, you want to go see the Renaissance sculptures but basically yeah. being like we could fuck up there
0: like she is definitely playing along but also putting the the red light you yeah. know like uh, tapping the brakes when it gets to uh when it gets too close meanwhile dr bill is approached by two very beautiful young young women yeah. Uh, yeah. two models, two models.
1: Yeah.
0: who just almost inexplicably just are just like oozing with i want to fuck you right now
1: well right. and that's the- I'm sure we'll talk about it. This is the first, the first inkling we get that, uh, of this recurring theme that everybody wants to fuck, uh, Tom Cruise, yeah. which is very much wish fulfillment, dream, dream logic. Yes. Um, because yes. these two uh, astonishing young models are just voraciously like can't wait to get their hands on it.
0: Yeah, they're trying to take him somewhere to where the rainbow ends, they say, and there's a lot of wizard of odds yeah. uh, stuff
1: um, in this movie. By the way, I, one of the models, um we know her name, she's introduced as Nuala, N-U-A-L-A, yeah. and that that name rang a bell and it's because in the Sandman comics Nuala is one of the fairy. Um she's just part of the, you know, the mythical creatures of the fairies and so I looked it up and it turns out that that name is uh traditionally an Irish she's it's the name of the wife of the king of the fairies um and so that that sort of little Irish fairy illusion then with the go to the end of the rainbow um it's very Lucky Charms. Right, germs. like leprechauns. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah.
0: But there's a key line where they're talking about the fact that he's a doctor, and they say, you know, you must be so knowledgeable. I've always found that doctors are very knowledgeable. But then one of them says, but, you know, all that work, like, just think of all they miss. And I think that's such a key line in the movie. Like, I think he is worried about, like, what is this world that I'm missing as a doctor that I look... And it's right there that they're like, he's like, all right, where are we going? Like, I'm not going to miss this. And, you know, but, but he's also maybe, you know, tapping on the brakes. It's hard to tell exactly what his intentions are, but... Like in so many other future scenes in the movie, he gets interrupted um, and this time called away, as we said earlier, to Victor Ziegler's bathroom. And, it, you know, in, in much the same way, I would say that, yeah, you're right. He's a little more polite. He's treated a little more respectfully. But fundamentally, he is there for this purpose. He can't in say case no. this right? happened. Uh, yeah, yeah, he one, can't the, say no. The
1: test would be, can, you know, Nick for sure couldn't say no. Um, right. I don't get the sense that, that Bill could say no either.
0: Sandor Savos could say no. Yeah, he could say no. He could say say no. I don't Um, know what his use would be. We need, there's someone upstairs. We need you to try to seduce with classical (laughs) illusions. So he goes up and there is a woman naked in Victor Ziegler's bathroom with Victor and she has OD'd.
1: I, I don't know when to talk about this, but, uh, but it's already relevant as we're watching the movie. There are Kubrick uses these slow fades mm. that really visually make it make it seem dreamy. There is, We'll talk about maybe the cinematography later as well, but part of what I think makes the Christmas setting so ideal for uh, giving this dream-like um, feeling is that the lighting is. Yeah, It feels like it's always practical lighting. That is, the light is coming from the sources of the scene that you see as the audience member. And the little bulbs of warm Christmas yeah. light in the blur of the background, the bouquet, um, they're always there. And it's actually, yeah. you know, if you want to give that cool sense of depth, um, you see this a lot in, in a lot of pictures and movies, you, you want to give a really, really good sense of artistic depth. You put some lights in the background, They blur into this cool little circular thing that's constantly throughout the movie, which to me makes it super dreamy
0: totally sure. it's yeah. it's got that dreamy like almost like fireplace glow yeah. to it
1: it's beautiful
0: gorgeous it's gorgeous it's so like as especially this opening scene yeah. or not the opening but the first party scene yeah. it just, it's just so rich and lustrous and like full of just opulence yeah. and, and 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 just like the waltz that they're doing and they're playing Shostakovich jazz suite to begin and then uh, some waltz um, when she's dancing with the mm-hmm. Hungarian but it all contributes to that kind of lull of like you're being seduced almost into this world of wealth and sex. Yeah, but then it always jars you awake with, <laughs> "Oh, here's a hooker that OD'd, a sex worker yeah. that OD'd." And he will, she will be called a hooker, but uh, uh, she she OD'd in Victor Ziegler's bathroom, and then you see the kind of like the, both the kind of human cost of what's going on, but also just it just takes you out of the the mode. And she already, even though she's not dead he's able to wake her up by just looking in her eyes, but her eyes and eyes generally are just so glassy in it. Like they're like doll's eyes already.
1: Her whole body looks like a wax figure. And this is, um, you know, it's (laughs) interesting. Which will be a recurring
0: thing for sure. uh,
1: Bill, the doctor doesn't really do much doctoring. We see a montage. We see a montage of him working in his office where we (laughs) presume that he's doing real doctoring. But um, here he's called like literally what he does is say, Look at me, move your head, look at me, look at me, yeah, okay, you're fine, keep her here for an hour. Yeah. um in another scene, he's called you know, as you said, to somebody who's already dead, so there's no real yeah. reason for,
0: talking. and then later in the movie, also uh he looks at somebody who's dead, he just looks at these yeah. like doll or corpse like figures. Yeah. there's one line in this where he says to her, "You're a very lucky girl, and she kind of looks back at him like, am I yeah, I know like why right. well, Why do you think that I'm, like, ODing in this fucker's bathroom? Yeah. Does that that seem (laughs) like I've had a lucky life?
1: I know. I thought the same thing. It's a a very condescending way of talking to her. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: And Ziegler, meanwhile, is just like, this is so annoying to him. And there's
1: a great shot of him. Like,
0: like, she's on the—again, you realize later in the scene uh, that they're in the bathroom— and like, he's looking at her and there's a shot of him above them. And, and it's, and it's shot like, so that you see him kind of towering over both of them Yeah. and he's just getting dressed. He has like his suspenders <laughs> so on. I was he's just say. like putting, yeah. And, <laughs> you could, and he just clearly
1: like, just fucked her, right? Or yeah. he was fucking her while she was passed out. Yeah. And it's creepy because when Bill asks like, how long has she been like this? And he's like five or six minutes. Meanwhile, he was literally pulling his pants up the moment he walked in. So it's like, yeah. whoa like so did you you just finished or something you know like exactly
0: and maybe while she was like like unconscious yeah
1: um the other thing about that scene there is a shot it might be the same shot that you're talking about i don't remember um, but there is a big piece of art behind ziegler um, Mm -hmm. of a naked woman and his head is actually framed perfectly in between her legs um, Hmm. which just screamed freudian to me like (laughs) he's being bore he's giving you know she is birthing uh Ziegler, Ziegler uh, right there.
0: This episode is brought to you by Super Speciosa. They're back, David. Um, I'm
1: excited, maybe to be honest. Me too. Like, that means that enough people actually, uh, you know, used <laughs> bought, our code or whatever. And
0: bought yeah. kratom because of <laughs> us.
1: Yes, <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, kratom is an all-natural, ancient super leaf. So maybe you've been ingesting, like, I don't know, more recent
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) those brand new leaves suck
0: kratom helps you energize your mind and relax your body i was just camping these last few days i brought some kratom with me you you know after you you, you've had a long day hiking in the heat and then you just chill out with some kratom glass of wine or some bourbon it's it's you're pretty happy Super Speciosa has only one ingredient, pure kratom leaf, and it offers kratom powder, capsules, tablets, and teas.
1: They sent us the first time around teas, and they sent white kratom tea, and... I don't know why I put off on trying it, but, uh, it was the last thing that I tried when I was out of everything else. And I loved it so much that I went and bought like a shit ton on my own afterwards. Right. <laughs> so for a while I was just, Oh, it was just perfect. Like in the evening to have a cup of tea, chill out. Yeah. it was great.
0: It can act, and it's not something that puts you to sleep. You know, it relaxes you without making you feel like you want to go to bed. Um, Everything's just a little chiller, and you're appreciating things a little bit more.
1: Super Speciosa offers 100% satisfaction, or you get your money back. So if you order and you hate it, um, just tell them you want your money back. Um, And if you try it and use our code, you'll get 20% off. And all you have to do to do that is go to getsuperleaf.com slash VBW. Again, you'll get 20% off with the promo code VBW. That's getsuperleaf.com slash VBW and use the promo code VBW for 20% off. Our thanks to Super Speciosa for once again sponsoring this episode of Very Bad Wizards.
0: So then, that breaks the spell of the whole party, really, and we don't really see much like much more of it. I think we might get another like I, I don't remember, but maybe like she kind of tells the Hungarian guy, "No, I'm not going upstairs to fuck you right now." Yeah, and, right. Um, but again, in like that almost drugged way. Yeah.
1: By the way, we learn there that Alice is an art dealer, mm-hmm. um, but her business went under. She she uh, went it went broke, and so she's no longer an art dealer and is just probably a stay-at-home mom. Um, the other thing I wanna say about that scene is, I don't know how, <laughs> how universal this is, but when that woman was talking, um, Mindy, is Mindy the name of the sex worker? Mandy. Mandy. Um, when he's trying to get her to talk, yeah, it feels to me like I feel when somebody's trying to wake me up from, from sleep. And especially like if you've ever had sleep paralysis, And you know, you know that you're trying to move, but you can't really, Mm -hmm. it's like this very frustrating and often you're having like these hypnagogic, uh, like dreams where you think someone's talking to you. And so you're trying with all your might to move your body, but you're paralyzed. That's the feeling I got when he was asking her to move. Like, like she was trapped in a dream.
0: Which is, I think, Tom Cruise or, or or Bill and Alice talking often feels like that, where yeah. it just takes forever for them yeah. to say the thing that they're going to say. And everything just feels like it's moving in slow motion or molasses, you know, like just... Um,
1: okay, so okay, think, I'm busy too.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Russian... The, the costume, that, yeah. that
0: scene is... Like to people who don't think this movie like, is funny, like I don't see how you can not, but we'll, we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it cuts to them home and yeah. clearly they're both horny from their little interactions with people, yeah. their unfulfilled interactions. So first of all, the music is very different here than it is for any other part of the mu- movie. It's, uh, it's the Chris Isaac. Yeah, I did yeah. a bad, bad thing. Yeah,
1: it's and, it's almost, it feels anachronistic even though it's not. like
0: It's, it's jarring within the movie. And yeah. they're like, you get the sense that they're hooking up. They don't really do much. She's naked. He's kind of like feeling her like breasts and like maybe kissing her like neck or something like that. But she's just looking at herself in the mirror. And that's sure. the thing that clearly is turning her
1: on. Yeah. Well, throughout, I don't know if you got this sense, throughout female sexuality is doll-like in the sense that you see naked perfect bodies, yeah. but they're, they don't feel that sexual to me. Like if, no. if what you're or looking- Or that alive. Or that alive. And um, I think this is one of the things that that um, the author of that article that you shared with me points out. What, some of the criticism seemed like they were coming from like a horny young men who thought they were going to get off watching this movie because <laughs> yeah. there is a lot of sex, but it's not sexy. It's not like- jerk yeah. off material it's like uh wax doll visuals of women naked but not this is
0: at a time where porn was not widely accessible it's like i think people really did think this is going to be hot in the way that like basic instinct or something yeah. like that was hot like, you know like like, it, like
1: websites like mr skin or whatever would yeah. like you know be able to post <laughs> exactly. naked <you> know, what <laughs> It probably still exists. What what movies was Nicole Kidman naked in? Oh, we're gonna get a new one. Like where she's right, right,
0: yeah. yeah and that if you go in with that expectation, like yeah. you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> so they have that scene. Then there was a little montage of them going about their day. And he's at work. He's examining people. Like you say, he never really does anything except no. like he'll have like some naked wom- woman. Yeah, he's that, like
1: touching her boob. but, but Touching a nurse boob. present.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> but then also like some men. Like you know, it's it's a little a, boy
1: who has like yeah. swollen lymph nodes
0: right meanwhile she is and this is something that uh introducing sociology uh article points out like she's constantly like grooming the girl like and you can take that literally or metaphorically (laughs) but she's constantly brushing her hair like like they have a i don't know what is she like six years old the daughter seven years old something like that and um what's her name Uh, helena Hell which mind, yeah, I'm yeah. sure just like just brims with mythological right. and other but um so It's so funny like, that
1: Bill and Alice are like such plain names. You know. Yeah.
0: Then we get I think the first just very funny uh, it, like and and I know and I don't know if it's played to be funny exactly although I do think he intended some dark comedy but they they come home he he's having a beer and she goes to uh, the medicine cabinet and gets out a band-aid box and inside that is just like weed that looks like the weed that I currently have, like in my cabinet, it's that's like been sitting shit. around. Yeah. It is, it's total shake. And it, like, I, it's like, because I started getting so into edibles, like I just kind of forgot about it. And it's just been sitting there for like, but they take like a few hits and they are now, I don't know, like, I've seen people say, this is people who have never been stoned, (laughs) like, imagining, like, what being stoned was like. But it's a very strange scene that's about to come up. Also very famous and is, you know, the inciting incident of the film. But, like, it, just the way they're interacting at first when they're supposed to be like, ooh, we're kind of horny and talking. And then when they start fighting, it's just... So bizarre. Like, you can't believe that this is what both they and Stanley Kubrick th- thought would realistically depict. God. Two people getting stoned, um, and, and you know, arguing. like, and arguing. Like, there's no way. Like, yeah. So things they're they're kind of almost hooking up, and then she mentions those two girls at the party who she just got a glance at him and his yeah. like shitting grin as they're talking yeah. to him. And uh, while, and she's she, was like, while she was with the Hungarian, while she was with the guy, and she's like, "Did you by any chance happen to f- fuck them?" <laughs> 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 and he, and he's like what are you talking about and it's so awkward and he's always like rubbing his head but then yeah. he's like she tells him about the hungarian and he makes what i i don't know maybe you disagree what i consider to be a fairly innocent remark about like well i'm not surprised that he wanted to fuck you because you're so like, oh yeah beautiful
1: yeah yeah no and then she takes then she makes like a number of logical leaps which are like a, somebody who 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 right. has right. taken like, like, your intro to logic is just like wait what
0: you're like that's what you're most offended by well it's the irrationality again
1: again, it's like is that what pot's supposed to do to her where she's like uh he he (laughs) goes i'm not surprised you're very beautiful are you saying he only wanted to fuck me because i'm beautiful or and then like are you saying (laughs) that men always want to fuck beautiful women so did you want to fuck those models like and And he's like I'm an exception
0: and he's like what makes you an exception (laughs) and then he's like I just happen to be in love with you because we're married and I wouldn't lie to you and hurt you I'm looking at the screenplay right now Mm -hmm. do you realize what you're saying is that the only reason you wouldn't fuck those two models is out of consideration for me not not because you really wouldn't want to
1: (laughs) which is not he just said like because I'm in love with you
0: yeah Yeah. and then he says and I love this line and let's just relax Alice this pot is making you aggressive (laughs) 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 half a joint of just the shit the weed you've ever seen is making you aggressive. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Uh, and, and uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> but she is being impossible. Like yeah. right off the bat, she's just so mad. So you could look at this if you wanted to interpret like what's going on here is like simmering resentments that yeah. have just come to like the pot can't hold them anymore.
1: Yeah. She's clearly, uh, even though she denies it, she is wanting to fight. Yes. She, um, and then, you know, she goes to say, haven't you ever been jealous about me? And, and he's like, no, like, why not? And then he says a couple of things. One of them is because you're the mother of my child or something like that. And she can't believe that he thinks that it's not in her to cheat. Like that—that yeah. that by dint of being a woman, she's just incapable. Like she's not like men. Men are the ones who are always right. trying to cheat.
0: She accuses him of being all evo-psych about. Oh like, yeah, that's women, right. Like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and, and like he takes the bait. Yeah. You know, which was just like that—that that was his mistake. Women don't. They basically just don't think like that. Millions of years of evolution. Right, right. Men have to stick it in every place they can, but for women, women, it is just about security and commitment and whatever the fuck else. A little oversimplified, Alice, but yes, something like that. If you men
1: only knew.
0: Don't do that. <laughs> Don't take the the evos, like word to the no.
1: Wise. And it's a it's a very interesting, I think, and insightful. Like un- it was an unexpected piece of insight yeah. from a kubrick, kubrick film that like female sexuality is such a threat to men like
0: yeah, that we even come up with like theories yeah. about why it doesn't really exist right. <laughs> yeah um, um yeah this
1: g-spot thing that's crazy talk <laughs> um stuff so, and and i think this is an interesting you know central theme of this whole thing which is that the view of female sexuality that is being yeah. proposed the- here the and the th- how that
0: threatens yeah. the, the man. Yeah. Um, it, leading into this, there's a very funny thing that she says. Like she she starts accusing him of like you know like when you're feeling up your your patients, and he's like, no, sex is the last thing on my mind because like I view them as patients. And then she, and then she says to transition into the woman. Now when she's having her little. Titties squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think she has any little fantasies about what handsome Doctor Bill's dicky might be like? <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a bizarre, and uh, like I don't know. I was thinking like over under what take that was for the Kidman's can, this, performance. This like I would I think that's understand. like like that's after she she can act both and Tom Cruise can act. Like they know how to act uh, yeah. a, a normal scene. Like I think that this was after they had been psychologically broken down. Like that's the takes that he used because Tom Cruise already looks and, and it is very exasperating how Alice is behaving. But yeah. like he just is so over the top, just frustrated and can barely get out the words. Like he can't even believe like how, why he's getting yelled at and like why he's being accused. And Alice is just, just well, she's
1: escalating. In, yeah, and yeah, she's escalating
0: it right? every time. And yeah. and in just the most bizarre way.
1: In non sequitur ways yeah. where where. Of course, if you're the recipient of that sort of escalation, where you don't even understand how we got from point A to point B, <laughs> right. let alone to like you know X Y Z, where Alice is at, like she's turned it up to eleven, he's exasperated. I maintain as, but far be it from me to, to tell Stanley Kubrick what a good performance is or not. This scene just seemed bad to me. It it seemed stilted, and I and the best that I could say about it was that. Kubrick might have wanted it to be stilted in this particular way? I think he um, definitely
0: did. Now, maybe yeah. you don't think it works. I think it works as a piece of comedy and also at uh, expressing, again, in a very dreamlike way, how frustrating it can sometimes feel to argue with somebody that you don't feel like it, that, that will interpret everything that you say in the, like, the worst possible way, you yeah. know? Um, like, all he said was, like, I'm not surprised that he, like, tried to seduce you because you look hot. You're a beautiful woman. And, like, it gets in its weird, dreamy way, like, the frustration of that. And I think it gets for her just, like, this has been building for her for so long. Yeah. Like, that, that just his complacency about their relationship yeah. and their sex life. And, you know, it, it, it ties back to him not even looking at her when she asked how she looked. Right. It's like He's taking it like, for like, granted. He's so, taking her for granted uh, as this like
1: the Hungarian you know. awoke something in her, some deep sexual something that she then remembers puts together with like that that memory that's going to be the right the the it, sort of the off and the inciting um event. It's not that I think that the um structure of that conversation wasn't intended to be comedic and absurd and pull it's just that I think Nicole Kidman's performance of it was like reading lines like I just didn't buy her i i bought her as somebody trying to act mad not as somebody who is mad not as somebody who was being irrational somebody who was reading the lines of of the that's what bothered me not
0: it's funny because this was like when they were trying to give her best actress like her doing that dream monologue it's a strange thing because really the dream was i saw this naval (laughs) officer and i would have been ready to give up everything like you and helena and my whole fucking future like just to be just to spend like like a week with him, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's the those words are meant to hurt and they may be true, but they're the kind of true that doesn't uh, need to be expressed. It's being expressed just yeah. to hurt. And it it it's a callback for me to the Hungarian saying one of the charms of marriage is that it makes deception a necessity for both parties. She's abandoning that necessity by laying bare that she had such such fucked up thoughts.
0: And you and you do think it's like, okay. Well, like it's not that big a deal that you've sexually fantasized about yeah. a guy once, right. and like I kind of, you know, you would probably think at some point that somebody you were with for a long time might have had a like, you know, like oh that guy is kind of hot. Yeah. Um, but it's also like she is saying it in such a way that it's like like the pop she's made Kamler, the the pot, pot made her <laughs> aggressive, The pot made made her aggressive, which uh, is an,
1: again actually a way in which um, he condescends. Right. Yep. He's he's saying like, well, you're you're not saying true things. The deep point that you're making that I've uh uh taken for granted you as a sexual being and our relationship being based yep. on us sort of like expressing this commitment. Um, I'm just saying it's really dismissive. The pot made you aggressive, like
0: it's, right. Although, yeah. but at the same time, also <laughs> true. <laughs> the, the shake. The, there is <laughs> the shake from yes.
1: 1992.
0: Right. No, it's it's very. They. I, I would believe that Tom Cruise has never once gotten stoned yeah. in his life. Um, right. But she also says at the end, which is an interesting counterpoint to everything else she's been doing. She's she's saying like, as I was having sex with you, I was thinking about this guy and how I would give everything up to be with him but then she says and yet it was weird because at the same time you were dearer to me than ever and at that moment my love for you was both tender and sad i guess it's almost i don't think she means it as worse but it al- it, it almost makes it worse like yeah, I think but that, i was kind of pitying you at the yes. same time that i was fantasizing about fucking this other guy while i was fucking you
1: i think it, i think that those words are specifically chosen for their emasculating properties you so, think? Yeah, I feel okay. like I I don't know I don't know what it is about the way that she said that but that uh I still love you but it but I was sad. Um it seems to be really stripping him of power. Yeah. You know? Do you think she means it that way or I that the it just whole, reads that way? I think the whole uh her response to him not taking it seriously I think, yeah. led to her actually meaning to say that. Um, and now his, now his sexuality, his masculinity, and his relationship is all threatened.
0: Yeah. If she wanted to threaten his masculinity yeah. and sexuality, like, she did it. Yeah. Like, the rest of the movie is essentially just him trying to, I don't know, get revenge. Um, yeah,
1: like, prove to himself, prove to the prove- world. Yeah. Um, be- with power, money, and sex, somehow. Like, yep. I, I am, I am like i'm the sailor yeah (laughs) i'm the the naval officer um (laughs) yeah and we should get through the movie because we're never going to get through the rest of the movie at this rate no right but Um, but this was an uh, important insight this is
0: an important scene and i like i stand by it and just the way they're interacting the way tom cruise is he he looks so i actually think this is a good uh, part of his performance he's so frustrated but also clearly senses that what's happening is like a bad harbinger and like raising questions that he doesn't want to face and i think i change my mind about her performance every time i watch it but i think she's actually good in uh, the last time i watched it
1: well good i'm glad somebody does
0: anyway phone call yeah he has to go to uh you know this is going to start his wanderings into the night and it's quite a night that he's about to
1: have yeah old man nathanson has died and uh, his daughter calls him to go to the apartment and it's not you know, so this was obviously a patient of his so it's important he says I have to go I have to go make myself seen or whatever which again it's it's Very not weird. it's not clear why the doctor would have to go you know you call the coroner if they're already dead but you do get the sense that and maybe this is Tamler what you were saying about like are yeah. are they climbers you get the sense that he has built his business around being the doctor to the to the rich and so right. this is part of the duties of of that role that he's taken on is to make an appearance in front of yeah. the family what it
0: means and like i like if you know people that are like working for the very wealthy like they've made this bargain which is you are at the beck and call yeah. of them 24 hours a day right. And so they really can call you in the middle of the night when your wife has just told you that she dreamed about fucking a, a naval officer. Yeah. Like, you know, you still have to go, yeah. I guess. Um, it's very, but, but but what his role there is, is mysterious, doesn't um, like do anything. It's not like he calls the coroner, Not nothing that we see anyway.
1: No, no, he's there because the daughter wanted him to be yeah. there. And that's the role that he's playing. Like his checks maybe depend. You never hear the transactional, like it's, it's uh, more polite in the sense that, you know, when he's helping out the OD sex worker, uh, when he's talk- comforting the daughter of the dead rich guy, they're not writing him a check, but you get the sense that this is part, he's on retainer or something. Yeah, like He's getting paid exactly. a lot of money for
0: that. This is his job, is yeah. to just be at their, the super riches, beck and call.
1: Okay. So he goes to the, to old man Nathanson. A um, couple of things. One, the room in which the dead, Man is in reminded me a lot of the two thousand one room, where oh, yeah. the aliens or whatever have created uh, uh, what they think is a reproduction of a human, <laughs> where a human would live. It's this very sort of old, I don't know what kind of style of, of Victorian era maybe furniture, green and green. Yeah. Green comes up a lot here when death and life are involved like but it's a very death color in this movie um, yeah
0: and there's a lot of corpses both literally and yeah figuratively yeah.
1: now yeah. he's comforting the um what in in more crass times would have been called the spinster daughter of this rich old man but yeah. she's, she's no longer a spinster because she's announcing proudly sort of that she's engaged to this somebody who's going to be here soon and he says oh yeah, I think I do remember him, the teacher, the math professor, she says. Yes. And then she proceeds to essentially hit on Tom Cruise and, and declare her love and tell him, I've been in love with you, like I, I'm in love yeah. with you. And he's puzzled because he barely knows her. But yep. this this is the most Dostoevsky of scenes to me. Like this could be out of any one of those Kar- Karamazov scenes where there is a bit of like a a neurotic female character expressing her love hysterically or whatever. I was thinking
0: again of Kafka, like in the trial, this is what happens to Joseph K all the time. is like a woman will all of a sudden just (laughs) want to have sex
1: with, with him. That's Um, right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like attractive, but maybe older and he has clearly no interest. Like she, uh, she's made to look sort of like she's been through a lot. You know, her dad just died. And uh, he's just like, ah, no, no, thank you, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, she, she, she's not unattractive, but she's weird looking a little yeah. bit. She has these like strange accent, which is very hard to place, like yeah. what exactly her accent is. And these f- nostrils that kind of flare really <laughs> dramatically.
1: <laughs> yeah. and Maybe, then the maybe professor- that accent is what, what made me think Russian literature. Um, yeah. Something, something yeah. was going on there.
0: It's a, yeah, it's a, like I don't. It's not straightforwardly Russian. No, no, no. It. But yeah, Carl, the math professor,
1: uh, Greg from Dharma and Greg. Do you remember that? Yeah. I mean, I don't. I didn't
0: see the show, but I yeah. know that that he was that guy. It's sort
1: of weird to see like a sitcom star in a Kubrick movie. Um, well, it's weird to see Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in, in <laughs> yeah, a Kubrick that, movie that too. This okay. This scene, Tamler. I think we can move beyond it. But why is it there? I, of in all of the reading that I was doing, you know. I've, like, you have watched this movie multiple times, and I got, like, a few months ago, got into watching YouTube videos on on it, and, and today, and uh, and yesterday, I was reading about it. This scene doesn't come up very much, like, in people's... You
0: know. I, I think, like, it's another example, like, like we've talked about, of him being at the beck and call of the super rich. It is the first in a series, well, I guess, if you don't count the two girls at the party the first in a series of women and also men that will throw themselves at at tom Cruise, but that he still won't actually able to consummate any yeah. kind of sexual activity with yeah i don't know like what more than that like um it's definitely a scene that i've thought less about than yeah yeah me scenes. too
1: and i think that it is just a yet another indication that this is dreamlike um people yeah. women who barely know you don't tend to declare that they've been in love with you for so long when he says I've only ever even talked to you about your dad's health like um, yeah. it, it seems n- you know wish fulfillment in the broad sense that women love me not in the sense that he yes. wanted her particularly. And, and we
0: can talk about like how much of this is supposed to be like almost a literal dream but yeah. I almost think that that's uh, like I said earlier a fool's errand yeah. like part of the point of the movie is that like they even say a dream is not just a dream and reality doesn't tell the yeah. whole truth yeah so absolutely um, but I also it, thought this very scene was dreamy. funny though
1: when you were saying that this I, yeah. like this this is a scene that I actually thought was funny her desperate, yes. her desperate in that Dostoevsky way yeah. and
0: the Kafka way of yeah. like just the absurdity of this because uh, you know you take one context a grieving daughter and then but then all of a sudden it turns yeah. sexual uh, yeah. in the same way that they're just getting stoned but then it becomes like this huge fight yeah Um, it's like totally unprovoked and then the next scene is also uh, it's a bizarre scene on the street on the street of these i get kid now they seem like they're from yale Um, they are all wearing
1: yale gear so, so watch what you say
0: and they and and they just again completely unprovoked like a lot that's happened so far all of a sudden, just start call, like just calling Tom Cruise like a faggot and yeah. uh, and like just gay bashing him. Just a lot of homophobic. Like uh, he's just literally walking on the street and like and there's
1: no, there like he's wearing like a you know winter coat. He's, he's, yeah, like it's, <laughs> it's just a very weird. And they and they are calling him short. You know, like a little mm-hmm. man. And saying, like, don't you want to fuck me? Like, like bending over and saying, I know you want this. It's it's very weird. And I finally figured out why it's because his last name is Harford and it sounds like Harvard. And so he needed Yale thugs. Uh Not really. I, I think <laughs> it's, nah, I mean,
0: the, it, it's making it clear that the Skull and Bones Society. And is, maybe. Like, it's drawing <laughs> but atten- isn't our it attention. It's funny that Harford
1: it. sounds like Harvard. Come on. Yeah. Um, it does. Do
0: um, you know why he named him that, though? No. It's because, so the protagonist in the novel is Jewish, and a lot of it is about that kind of Jewish insecurity. But then he decided he didn't want that, and he wanted a more Harrison Ford like kind of every man. And, and so the last name is Harford Harrison Ford. Like a. Uh,
1: uh, That's what something I read uh, said. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I found really intriguing about this scene where he's getting, you know, unprovoked gay bashing, um, yeah. comments about his sexuality and about his size, and all, is that um, these are real insults that Tom Cruise has has yep. had to deal with. Yep. And it seemed like Kubrick, knowing something about how Kubrick worked that this is a scene meant to provoke Tom Cruise.
0: Well, this is what is brilliant about the casting is that there are definitely people who thought that they had a kind of fake marriage to cover up the fact that Tom Mm -hmm. Cruise was gay, but can't admit that he's gay and remain like this huge superstar. People have been saying this about him forever. And so to actually cast them and then to have this scene is really showing that he's kind of blurring the boundaries between Tom Cruise's character and Tom Cruise himself. Yeah.
1: And he's literally being physically assaulted, uh, uh, you know, and I could totally see Kubrick doing on purpose to to, disjar, to just rattle uh, Cruz in a Shelley Duvall kind of way.
0: And it's a credit to him that he just still did credit it all because yeah, he just course. wanted to be in a Kubrick movie. Like, that's, that was, you that's know, like, I, I, I like that. Both, both of
1: them. Kaitel fucked up yeah. yeah yeah i mean like i get
0: like i'd probably be like to, like like just day to day like it would be awesome but like you know to put yeah. up with that like if you're harvey Keitel you're not used to being treated right. probably like kubrick treats these people <laughs> but they they put up with it it's a, it's a very strange scene also we should talk about the sets of new york because yeah. it's a great example again of the blurring of like artifice and reality, dream and reality, because it is a very, in some sense, realistic, like he, he tried to get a lot of the details that you would have of like Greenwich Village, yeah. New York. But then it also, it looks very much like a movie set.
1: Like I, I thought this was obviously just to have ultimate control over every piece of the environment.
0: Yeah. yeah, and but I do think like he didn't try to make it seem like y- you think you're in. They're filming in New York. It's like, uncanny. It's yeah, it's yeah uncanny. it has an uncanniness yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he meets Domino, a one of the nicest prostitutes. It's a very funny scene. This is also a very funny. Are you scene. saying
1: prostitutes have been mean to you?
0: <laughs> no, like a, they, they haven't actually. But uh, I mean, I don't have. They haven't been mean or not mean. <laughs> So, uh, this one, uh, invites him up to her place. Um, yeah. she has like a little small apartment, brownstone and, and, and he, he does this thing and he's been doing it before, but like, this is one of the first times when I realized it was a thing where she, she says, do you want to come inside with me? And he goes, come inside with you <laughs> yeah. and it's like the you know not the first because he's done it in uh like the argument with Nicole Kidman like he's he's done it before but it's very strange affectation that now starts becoming more prominent where he really just repeats what the people say yeah. uh yeah. and I don't know what to make of of that
1: but. I mean it may it makes the viewer feel on un- it feels uncanny yeah to the viewer yeah you and, know I don't know if it's a particular feature of dreams that we would talk like that this is why it, it seemed risky to me to have Tom Cruise deliver uh, what are by design stilted lines when Tom Cruise himself might be accused of mm-hmm. by mistake delivering stilted lines, like right. it's a real hard thing to 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 assess the performance of somebody who has to.
0: Yeah, I mean, but although, like, I think he can be, he can give a normal performance. Not a nat- fully naturalistic performance, but a, a kind of normal uh, movie star performance. Yeah. And it's definitely not that here. In any case, he goes up, she has a cr- little Christmas tree, um, and it's a very small little place, which he calls cozy. And he's so uncomfortable with this. Like, actually, so he, like, I, I, I think... Like having not gone up into some prostitute's house in New York like this, like I feel like I could maybe relate to some of the stuff of like, <laughs> all right, so what do we do exactly? What are the what are, yeah, what's the what are the rules? The what's
1: the script <laughs> here? You know? Um. It, yeah. 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 And he, he went up there, I guess, because this is his night where he's dealing with having yeah. been threatened. Right? He's like, I where can fuck trip. too. It's not just you. Yeah, like, I exactly. can
0: also, I can do that.
1: And and it ends up being, once again, a thwarted, uh, even yeah. though she's very sweet to him. Um, and they, you know, it seems as if they're getting along. This is, again, a, another, you know, common theme is the the prostitute with the heart of gold. Yeah. Um, it's a very, like, Common sort of male wish fulfillment. Um, uh, We like that kind of thing for some reason.
0: And she looks like Alice. Um, They all, it's all, they're they're all
1: redheads. Every woman I think is like a redhead um, uh, of a, you know, slim, attractive redhead.
0: And you're right. Like, I think he, you know, he thought of his wife as more of a madonna and now he's seeing the whore but he still has to have her have a heart of gold because she's so nice to him he's like so awkward like he's like should we talk about money she's like all right Well, what do you want to do and he says what do you recommend (laughs) i love that (laughs) 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 and and she's like all right i'll I'll take it he he gets like the omakase you know like (laughs) i'll take care of it but yes as you say it is thwarted at the last second by a call from alice and alice is in this just icy blue, cold light, which she has been actually since the fight. He's always in this warm Christmas like yeah. firelight that you were talking about before. But like she is just in the kitchen and she looks tired, and it's blue, just just like yeah. chilling her. Uh, at yeah. The scene.
1: Yeah, there's the use of blue is all. Uh, we'll come back also in, yeah. in 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 the scene with Siegler. Yeah.
0: And um, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and he and she says, "Do you have to go?" And he says. Do I have to go?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. It's like George Lucas wrote this script. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so he lies, you know, once again, a reminder that he, you know, he said that he's 100% honest with her. Yeah. uh, Like just a few minutes ago. And then he just blatantly lies and says, no, I'm still here with this weird woman. He says
0: uh, there are relatives (laughs) that might
1: come. Yeah. 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 Because. My guess is he didn't want to say, I walked up into the apartment of a sex worker and we're negotiating how much a hand job. Is.
0: She's uh, going to just, I'm, I don't even know what to expect. There's going to be yeah. like six different courses.
1: <laughs> it's like a flight. Yeah. Somehow it's a flight of sexual acts. <laughs> See
0: if your, uh, your, your naval <laughs> officer does that
1: uh, in your fantasies uh, that you drank okay, about so, one time. <laughs> and so
0: now I still have to be out till like five in the morning. Uh, but then he does leave though. Like, Yeah.
1: He, remind me why he leaves. I think he just,
0: it like broke the mood. Like broke, a lot yeah. of these things, it's again, it's like this deus ex, like B- blue ball, <laughs> blue ball. Right. Like it's, and this happens a lot. And the, there's always just like, it gets right up to the, the moment where like the tent, the sexual tension is, is yeah. building. And then it's the balloon pops. Um, yeah.
1: He pays her anyway. She doesn't want to take the money, but he's a good guy. He's so. a good guy. Yeah. This episode of Very Bad Wizards is brought to you once again by REN. Visit REN at REN.co to learn all about it. That's W-R-E-N.co. What is it? REN is a startup that's making it easy for everyone to make a meaningful difference in the climate crisis. So if you are concerned about the way that the climate is going and climate change and how it's affecting the world, but you're not sure what to do, REN is a business that's essentially built to try to answer that question. And I think that Ren has come up with a clever solution for us individuals to make a difference. One of the things that's always frustrating for me is not knowing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing to make any sort of difference. And honestly, it annoys me when uh, I am sort of held accountable in a way that uh, overshadows the role that corporations and governments have in um, adding to this climate crisis. But Ren takes your subscription money and not only do they educate you they let you know uh, how much your carbon footprint is. They have an easy calculator. But then they actually use your subscription money to contribute to causes that will actively help in changing and trying to turn around. Um, the decline of the environment and the climate. And they do that not only by investing in technologies, but they do it also by using that money to put pressure on governments and corporations and make policy change. You just go to the website at ren.co and you calculate your personal carbon footprint based on things like your lifestyle and you offset it by funding projects that do things like plant trees, protect rainforests, sequester CO2. And importantly, Ren is extremely transparent with what they do with that money that you give them. So once you sign up to make a monthly contribution to offset your carbon footprint, you'll receive monthly updates about whatever it is that you're funding tree planting, rainforest protection, carbon removal, etc. It's going to take all of us to end the climate crisis. Do your part today by signing up for Wren. go to ren.co/vbw. Sign up and they'll plant 10 extra trees in your name. That's W-R-E-N dot C-O slash V-B-W. Start making a difference. Our thanks to Wren for sponsoring this episode of Very Bad Wizards. And then he goes to he
0: stumbles on Nick Nightingale's jazz set.
1: Yeah. Nick Nightingale, the, the pianist from the party earlier who he'd gone to uh, medical school with. Uh, He catches the very end of the set. So he gets a table and Nick Nightingale comes to talk to him and uh, says, sorry, I only caught the end. He's like, oh, that's fine. The band sucked. But I got another gig tonight. It's one of these weird, like you're not even going to believe it. Like they blindfold me. And, you know, you could just tell uh, Dr. Bill's little dicky starts to move. You got to tell me about this place. (laughs) I want to go to this place. (laughs) Come on. And he says, he's like, no, like this. At this one time like the blindfold wasn't on very good and I totally saw and there's just like people fucking like, well he just <laughs> says
0: I've seen a lot of things and I, I've seen a thing or two in my life but this takes the cake like it's not even like <laughs> yeah. I saw people fucking and then yeah Tom right. Cruise is just like oh now I'm gonna get Alice back like right. this is the thing you know like I thought right. it was gonna be having sex with the prostitute but no it's like but, uh, no. orgy yeah or, or yeah. like weird sex orgy and and the Nick Nightingale tells him he has to get a costume though yeah and so he has yeah. to find that in the middle of the night it's like probably what is it now like
1: one in the morning something like probably that. probably at least one in the morning yeah yeah because uh, he says these guys don't get started until two yeah so so he has to get a costume and uh he he catches nick nightingale writing down what is the password that will allow him to get into the party the password is fidelio yeah. which obviously well it's the name of a beethoven opera but obviously um referring to f- fidelity, fidelity. like being faithful yeah um by the way, I saw an analysis, and I won't have time to get into this, of the theme of dogs in this movie, and basically faithfulness in that sense, like being yeah. a good, a good servant. and And even That's in that analysis that I read, they didn't put two and two together about Fidelio being, Fido is basically yeah. like the yeah <laughs> yeah
0: and 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 Tom Cruise is essentially like a dog. He's like a dog to the rich. Like he's there exactly. at their beca- beck and call, and he's also kind of a dog to his wife. Um, so he goes to the cot. This is a great scene. Uh, he tr- he wakes up this man who owns a costume shop called Under the Rainbow. So another Wizard of Oz reference. He says, mean,
1: and it's like it's like such a clear callback to the women saying like where yeah. the rainbow ends. Yeah. He
0: gets in by saying he's a doctor, which he always says. um, It
1: is like a bad noir, you know, like not a bad noir. It's like a, it's like a version of a noir. You and I were talking about this, where like he's investigating. He's like investigating, but he's trying to get his dick wet at the same time. Like that's part of his investigation. And rather than say I'm a private, like I'm a PI, like like Humphrey Bogart would say, yeah, he just pulls out his state license that he carries around with him. Yeah, and the whole time I'm thinking like would that convince anyone yeah. particularly any new yorker to right. let you in the door like
0: <laughs> no right
1: what the fuck do i know what a medical license looks like
0: i think roger ebert said that he keeps saying he's a doctor in order to like remind himself that he exists i think it's more for him that he's doing it, and, and again it's very dreamlike but he does have to like bribe the guy he has to give the guy 200 bucks above and beyond what the rental will cost yeah. um, but he lets him in then you have what's I don't know, some sort of like dark slapstick scene, almost a Doctor Strange lovey scene yeah. with them in there, there. And Well, I'm
1: glad you say that because um, I, one of the things I want to talk to you about throughout is I feel like Kubrick might have known this was his last movie. And I feel like there are little allusions to his other films throughout. Yeah. Um,
0: and yeah. maybe this is like the Doctor Strange love scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's right, and you know, you pointed out, and I think you're probably probably right about the the 2001 old man in, yeah. old, man, old man in the uh, in the room um, and yeah it just has that energy with the, which the rest of the movie definitely doesn't have of it's almost like farce you know the, the, yeah. even though it's dealing with dark themes like the, the guy goes into the back where the costumes are and finds his 15 year old daughter with two I don't know like Japanese businessmen Asian yeah. businessmen of some kind and and he's like chasing them and yelling at them and they're like tra- they're, trying to put on pants they have like this weird they're makeup dressed on. In,
1: they're dressed as women right. I think um, yeah. Um, and so they were clearly doing some some role playing um, yeah. with his fifteen year old daughter. Which, and, um, but
0: what were they doing? Is like like it's just that's like really funny could part, be right? the, the fun exactly
1: yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: it is it, yeah. It has that kind of George C. Scott with his like secretary in Doctor yeah. Strange Love, and the the girl is played as very sexual. And even though she is kind of running from her dad who's calling her a whore and stuff like that, she clearly is also hitting on Dr. Bill. She also looks like somewhere between Alice and Helena, you know, like she's like, um, I don't know if she's meant to look like Helena or meant to look like Alice or both. But I also got
1: Lolita vibes.
0: Yeah, hardcore, definitely. And, you know, he, of course, did the movie adaptation of Lolita.
1: Yeah. Milich is the name of the like Russian or whatever, Eastern European proprietor of the... (laughs) And he's very funny. Uh, He's hilarious. The actor is great.
0: It's a great performance. It's like funny and intentionally funny, unlike some of the stuff where you don't know what's intentional and what's not. But also dark. And, you know, there's this weird thing where the daughter whispers in Dr. Bill's ear. And apparently what she says is, get a cloak lined with ermine. Yeah. Which indicates maybe she knows, like, the kind of... Maybe she goes to the party that he's oh, about yeah, to go to. Oh, yeah, I didn't to. even
1: think about that. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Because I was wondering how he knew to get a cloak. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, she says that in Ermine, you, you know, you can look up. There's various... Throughout history, it's, very, it's been used as symbolic of various things. But one of the things that I read was that it was symbolic of... of uh, it was associated with Mary Magdalene, the former prostitute, who be, then became... Yes. Uh, purified with, through, you know, her relationship with with Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So great scene. He gets in a cab, and goes to the address where this party is. From uh, his
1: his real mistake yeah. going in a cab yep that's, that's that's one of the class distinct distinguishers yep. right there
0: and keeping the receipt of the <laughs> rental and because these guys they buy their costumes <laughs> yeah, he I also has it. like of all i mean we're gonna get to the scene but he has the most doofus looking mask of anybody at the party
1: yeah i would felt dumb if i came he has like a a, a new Orleans looking mask. Whereas everybody else has like their Amadeus looking masks. Yeah. And
0: it looks like Tom Cruise to some extent, just that kind of blankness <laughs> yeah. that he can sometimes have. <laughs> uh, so it, like, I think it works on a lot of different levels. Um, yeah. He goes into the cab. He, he's like kind of bribing the cab driver to wait for him. And he says it could be a couple hours, but it could be 20 minutes and like any. Te- yeah.
1: yeah. You know, that's like a, a annoying little power move he's like uh, tears a hundred dollar bill in half and says (laughs) if you wait here keep the meter running you get to keep the
0: which is a a funny thing because he doesn't do stuff like that in the rest of the movie he's not an asshole that's the one time that he's an asshole in the movie like he's only like that in that one scene because you normally he he never has the position of power i guess that's the difference is he's always the the person that is i don't know looking up and this time, he senses that he has the yeah, power of. Yeah. Also, wealth. with
1: Millich a little bit, where he's like, "I'll give you two hundred dollars over the thing." Yeah. Like he's throwing his, that whole night. He's throwing his money around a little bit. Um, yeah. In a way but, that I think makes him feel powerful.
0: But Millich doesn't. Milich feels like he has the upper hand in, yeah, in yeah, their yeah, yeah, yeah. interactions, yeah. like yeah. pretty much throughout. So he gives the password to these two shady-looking people who have to drive. To the gate. They have to drive <laughs> yeah. him from the gate to the house. So we right. are in like Rothschild's level wealth. And if you think right. this movie is about like the Illuminati or, you know, like Freemasons, you know, like or, or like the, some Jeffrey Epstein ring, this is where you're going to get this uh, right. idea. Although, you know, what goes on in the orgy scene, if you can call it that, is something very different than I think people expected.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, uh, but I do like the level of rich, is it's interesting, like we were saying, you think that Dr. Bill is rich because he has a nice apartment in in Manhattan. And then you realize, oh, he's not rich. Uh, Ziegler is rich, like yeah. he has no... And then you realize, holy shit, we thought we knew what rich was. This is a, a whole other level. Right, so, this,
0: this is still right. another, like, it's like they're just different worlds. Although Ziegler yeah. has access to this world. Ziegler
1: well, is knocking on their door the way yeah. that Bill was knocking on... Ziegler's door, probably.
0: And prob- and maybe doing their bidding at the yeah. end. Like, we could yeah. talk about that. Right. Like, maybe Ziegler himself is at the beck and call of the people running whatever the fuck this is. Yeah. Uh, but if you went into the movie thinking, all right, like, this is it. I'm going to get this awesome orgy scene to, like, jerk off to and be... <laughs> sexually satisfied or dissatisfied or what depending on whether you're a man or a woman i think you were probably disappointed because it's not it's just a very bizarre scene like from the music which is like i guess backwards playing uh yeah
1: like an orthodox liturgy it's like uh you know it's it's an interesting choice for a soundtrack because it evokes sort of the satanic ritual satanists back mask um the yeah. holy words or whatever. So it's very intentional. Um, yeah. Ritualistic, uh, the naked women are presented to the leader or the leaders, the man yeah. in the red, in the red robe. And um, they're all sort of form a circle around him. Yeah. And, uh, and you see again, a, a bunch of beautiful female bodies, but not, it's not sex. It doesn't feel sexual. It feels no. weird. It just feels weird.
0: It feels like necrophilia yeah, or something. Like it right. feels because they're when they're even human. when they're kissing, it's like they're putting plastic against plastic. Yeah, because they're, they're kissing the masks and like yeah. they're you know like if you thought oh there's gonna be like hot girl on girl action, it's like well it's more <laughs> mask on mask action. And but you're right. They have these kind of perfect model bodies, I guess. Yeah, but they look like like dolls like the, yeah. like all the women look like dolls in this movie they look yeah. like lifeless and i think that's what keeps this whole scene from being sexy like or being like in any way kind of erotic is that they people barely look alive in it
1: yeah. you know yeah um, and there are a lot of just i don't know how orgies work but there's a lot of um people observing other mm-hmm. people um, engaged in sexual acts it sort of famously was was going to be given an NC-17 rating, and and they added some stupid CG figures to block some yeah. of the more explicit scenes. But even the even more those. explicit scenes are clinical. Yeah, they're like, yeah, we're we're going through an orgy right now. Um, and, yeah, and and, you and like you say,
0: very ritualistic, but not in a way I don't know. Like it's not a turn on this scene. It's I not guess
1: animalistic. I, it's yeah. like going through the motions of having. Yeah. We, you shall have this body like it's it's robotic in a way but it's not that's not exactly the
0: right word the like the thing that evoked for me this time was like like a little girl playing with dolls and having them kiss yeah, each other right. that's what it seemed like and i think yeah. that's what this is about is these super rich people using women as dolls to play yeah. with yeah. and like there's a
1: naked man here and there
0: Yeah, even two naked men dancing to each other. Again, like if you see this as a projection of Tom, of, uh, sorry, Dr. Bill's insecurities, (laughs) you know, like there's, uh, you know, you can make a lot out of those naked men, but also just the fact that there are all these people. Do, who, who know what to do it's a little yeah. like when he was with domino and he is just wandering around in a in like a kind of daze of like you know but it's an expressionless because he has this mask on but you get the right. sense that underneath there it's also like he doesn't know like how he's supposed to react to this and you no, never get a sense of like what he's risky. thinking
1: super risky to go to what is a ritualistic performance um not knowing anything about how the ritual is supposed to be performed yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, like, ladies, don't tell your man that you've had a dream about fucking, a, like, a sailor because <laughs> this is what they'll, they'll do to, like...
1: But, you know, in, in that sense, it's like it's like a dream in which you ever have dreams where you're supposed to be, like, in a play, but nobody bothered to tell you the lines? Yes, that's like, what that's, it... Exactly,
0: yeah. yeah. And, and so uh, one of the women goes up to him and, and, and is taking an interest in him and tells him to get the hell out of there. Um, yeah. But then she gets kind of led away... So then, then like all those scenes of him like just browsing or going from room to room, then she comes back and I don't know. You get the sense she might convince him to leave, but it's too late and he gets called away. Yeah, Um, and she's
1: definitely uh, warning him. She. She obviously had to recognize him in order to warn him.
0: Right. Every and, and it seems like this couple who I think later we think will is is Ziegler, who's on a balcony during the ritualistic like magic circle thing, looks look at him over. and they have a look and you get the sense like this is what again, very dreamlike. They all know who I am. They yeah. all and and, exactly. and they do. Like it's discovered yeah. who he is. He has to take off his mask again, like and then they tell him to take off his clothes. Like if you if you're trying to think, is this a dream or not? Yeah. You know, like, oh I'm now naked in front of all these people. Yeah. Um, and then the woman does this kind of, I, I take me instead. Like, I don't know what they were planning to do to him. They were planning at, at the very least to do something to him while he was so, naked. Right.
1: Yeah. Some sort of, some sort of, uh, uh, maybe rape? we never find out.
0: We never find y- out.
1: Yeah, we never find out.
0: It's also another one of those cases of the interruptus of maybe him actually getting laid because the, one of the women there is, asks him if he wants to go somewhere more private and he says private and <laughs> that's right where he gets interrupted uh the masks of all the people when he's getting interrupted are very like expressionistic and and strange there like he yeah. has the doofus mask but everybody else has these masks that uh i don't know like, i wanted
1: to uh, there is a mask Within the crowd, there's a lot of people at this thing. Yeah, in in the crowd, there is a mask that I swear is uh, an allusion to the killing. The The clown masks that are used in the in the heist that's yeah yeah
0: right yeah good yeah you're right this is late style Stanley kubrick like all these illusions of all these other works yeah it's very funny like so the scene where she decides to sacrifice herself this this woman who we later find out is mandy from the opening party and the parties are clearly meant to mirror each other they're exactly the same length of time every time like something happens like every beat the crowd goes like, like like the south park crowd you know like when Someone is yeah. talking. Like she's like, take me instead, and the, and everyone's like, and then, she, and then the guy, the guy's <laughs> r- r- like, r- you realize what this means? She says yes, and everyone's like. Oh God, Which maybe adds, gives a slight plausibility, but only the tiniest bit of plausibility to what Sydney Pollock will say yeah, is okay, really yeah, going we'll on. See, yeah, we'll see, yeah. So, because she says that she'll take take her instead and they say her fate is sealed, he's allowed to leave. Yeah. And, and yeah. he goes home and the night still isn't over for him, though. Like, <laughs> as fucked up and frustrating as this night has been, like he gets home and puts the costume away, he hides it away. And then Alice is laughing in the bed and like literally what? laughing as she's sleeping.
1: Has, has you seen the mask? Is this where he's? No, no, no. That, oh, that's no, much this, later. Okay. That's, that's after
0: the, come he comes it. home from Ziegler. This that's is right. like, that's we're right. halfway through the movie, which yeah, is a problem true. for us, but uh, <laughs> like, we're just right. barely, we're a little over halfway through the movie yeah. at this point. The, the, the orgy scene is the exact center of the movie. And yeah. it had the movie has this symmetry, um, but she's laughing and he's yeah. like, w- and, and then like wakes herself up laughing and then tells him this horrible dream where she is at like somewhere in a, a garden
1: and, and she's in a garden. the,
0: the yeah. sailor is there. Yeah. Like I guess Eden illusion. Yeah. Say that, that, that naval officer is there, but then also these other people and she's like, and all of a sudden I was fucking them. I was fucking all of them. And she's like, I was fucking so many men. I don't know how many. Oh, yeah. Like
1: Right before that, she says that he was there, but then yeah. he left. And she said, as soon as you were gone, it felt wonderful.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is
1: just uh, coal heaping coals on his head.
0: And that everybody was laughing at him. Again, this yeah. is so like insecure, right. like projections of all your insecurities. Like everybody's yeah. laughing, at him, and she wanted to laugh. I his, wanted to make
1: fun of you to yeah. laugh in your face. Yeah. yeah. I was fucking so many other men. <laughs> it's,
0: a, yeah. it's a rough night for Dr. Bill. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, cause um, all this is the same night that Alice yelled at him about saying she looked beautiful. Right? Yeah. and then she uh, says
1: she was became ashamed of her nakedness which is just a straight up Garden of Eden illusion al- yeah. right um, yeah yeah and by the way the Garden of Eden is interpreted by some people like in and I believe in some of the Gnostic traditions and and even more modern as as a story of sexuality and the serpent being really just the temptation of sex outside the bounds of of her relationship with Adam and being seduced Mm-hmm. And and then the shame, and so right. so clearly he's hitting these themes. Right.
0: And they um, had to put on clothes for the first time because yeah. um, that's the first time they cover themselves, right. Because they feel shame. Um, that's right. Yeah, and, and that's like the masks. Maybe it's like you know we had to we have to adopt these personas now because of our like hidden psychological fantasies and yeah. darkest desires that we won't be honest about with ourselves or with anybody else
1: there's a tension that builds when she's saying this dream because he walked in and she was laughing. And when she wakes up, she says, I was having a terrible dream, a nightmare, been this so bad that I was fucking other men. But the whole time, you know that he knows that she was laughing. Yeah. So, so you're, you're like, wait, is she just lying to him about this dream being terrible? Like, and finally at the end she says, why? Um, you know, but, uh, but it does create this tension of like, she, like why like, was she having she? a good time? Like was she getting fucked and loving it? Like
0: that's what it's like because that's when she wakes up. So yeah. even though she's describing it as a nightmare, she doesn't seem like she does <laughs> not seem like
1: a nightmare. It's like yeah. I was having a dick left and right, dick in my face, dick in my tits.
0: <laughs> and you know, like Kubrick has like this symmetry in his shots, but also in his movies. Like I remember when we talked about *A Clockwork Orange*, like. There's the centerpiece and then just mirrored every scene that takes place before he's in prison and gets the the dove go kick or whatever the fuck technique. Every scene is kind of repeated, but it's now, like, uh, afterwards. And the same thing in this movie. there's The orgy is the centerpiece of the movie, and then what comes after is Bill repeating every single thing that he did around it. So, like, the thing that sent him out to the orgy was Alice saying something describing something to him that makes him sexually jealous and also insecure and then he comes home after the party and she does another one of those things and then he goes out like he has I guess a normal day but then he goes out and goes to every single place he went the night before
1: oh yeah right so,
0: like first he goes to try to find nick nightingale he goes to the, right. the jazz club but he, he's not playing there anymore he finds out the hotel that uh he's staying at he uh,
1: oh he, yeah because he, he goes to the waitress yeah and the waitress sort of like it's like i know nick nightingale yeah. uh, he doesn't want me to tell you the hotel and she's like it's okay i'm a doctor so <laughs> here's my here's my New York State license
0: um, the, yeah. the bellhop at the hotel that Nick uh, is staying at that's a great scene too Alan, also, Cumming, Alan, Alan Cummings. Cummings
1: is just great at like just he is undressing Tom Cruise with his eyes
0: yes absolutely <laughs> the whole time inexplicable people throwing themselves at him but it, this time it's Alan Cummings but again <laughs> his performance like I would say what's the Russian guy's name
1: uh, um uh, mill
0: Milich yeah so he, like that scene like this scene is played almost more like like yeah i mean, yeah. on the joke
1: it was almost know? out of like four rooms it was like yeah. uh it, it, like like <laughs> i
0: don't know if i've ever seen that but this is definitely like the third or fourth time you've made that analogy
1: room can't be maybe the second time but uh yeah. i'll be sure and tell you when you repeat yourself so <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, believe me, I know I do it so much. <laughs> he's like, "Well, uh, Bill,
1: it's funny you should ask that question, Bill."
0: Uh, uh, but yeah, but what comes out of it? <laughs> it yeah, he's such a flirt. Yeah. Um, is that Nick Nightingale was taken out of his uh, house at at five in the morning, and he looked like he'd been roughed up a little bit. Yeah, um, a he had a bruise and, uh, you know, there we didn't mention this, but at the party, there's a funny, the orgy, there's a funny scene of him just blindfolded, like playing the, the thing. Just <laughs> Yeah. It's like, and it's
1: weird because the music that is playing, like can't um, possibly be coming out of his mm-hmm. instrument. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very weird. Again, very weird. Dream, dreamy.
0: Very, very, very dreamy. Um, so he goes to the costume shop and uh, Milich has made up with the two Asian <laughs> businessmen. And now it's just clear that he's uh, like now, prostituting his own yeah, daughter.
1: He's now like, okay, okay I'm pimp now. It, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And, 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 and like says to him flat out, like, uh, if you ever need anything, it doesn't need to be a costume. Like, it can be, like, only, like very expensive. Like my 15 year Yeah, what? she's
1: just, like, wearing underwear.
0: Yeah, you know? exactly. Just standing there and looking, again, like, I think this is, like, she is sexualized. In yeah. this. She's more sexualized than arguably anybody in the Absolutely, entire movie. Yeah.
1: yeah, yep, yep.
0: So, meanwhile, spliced in is, uh, and I think Tim Kreider says this, Nicole Kidman is helping Helena with her math homework and saying, like, this person has, you know, like, four dollars and this boy, this boy has like this amount, essentially training her to figure out which guy has the most money. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 The word problem was about about finding the man with the most money.
0: (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, I don't know if we've said this, but like. Like uh, every once in a while, he just gets a fantasy of his, of Alice oh, yeah, and the yeah, sailor yeah. fucking. I don't know why. Right. He's like, getting
1: happened. intrusive, intrusive thoughts of, of yeah. jealousy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And apparently, like, those scenes were filmed over seven days and Tom Cruise was not allowed on set during those <laughs> oh, days.
1: Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. Music. Like, <laughs> so, like, what if they broke up?
0: he's getting that and he's tortured by that he goes back to the mansion and he gets uh, just these people driving up and giving him a note that says yeah. give up your inquiries which are useless interesting phrasing there <laughs> y- you can look into this but it's, you're not gonna do anything like you're right. too much of a like a tiny little speck of dust to us right. to be anything more than just an annoyance but also right. like we will kill your family essentially <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah and then he goes back to Domino's. Weird scene there.
1: Very weird. Um, Domino's not there. Her friend is. And he starts flirting with her friend, even feeling her up a bit and coming on strong for him strong like yeah. i feel like he now thinks like okay i've got like this is it like time's
0: running out i've got to fuck somebody <laughs> and like for the first time almost as, like she seems like she's responding well to it but like yeah. for the first time he's actually being aggressive about it yeah
1: yeah he's not in up. an
0: asshole way but like he's he actually looks like he's not just a victim of other people trying to fuck him
1: yeah exactly Yeah. He knows what to do. He's already been through the script once.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's what it is. He has the script now.
1: (laughs) somebody gave him.
0: And, you know, things are going well. They're kind of, it's a very small kitchen that they're kind of moving past each other. But then uh, she, again, there's another interrupting thing. But this time it's her telling him that Domino uh, tested positive for
1: HIV. For HIV. Yeah. Yeah. And um, again, like uh, maybe at a time where where HIV is was more considered a death sentence. And so it is a little eerie that that, you know, I think he probably feels like he narrowly escaped death as well from a poor decision that he was about to make. So that obviously makes his penis soft. Um, Yeah. And but a lot
0: seems to make his penis. <laughs>
1: <strong>. <laughs> there's there's also a lot of green uh, here in this apartment, which I think again is is uh, death death color in this film particularly. Yeah. Um, and he but walks they are out. The
0: nicest people in the whole movie, both yeah, yeah. Domino and the roommate.
1: Yeah, and it's it's like a sad moment. You actually care that yeah. Domino has been diagnosed. Exactly. And you yeah, actually they give are a the shit. most. Yeah, they are the most human interactions even including his daughter and his wife like these are the most like <laughs> definitely normal. including yeah, yeah. <laughs> like,
0: normal people having normal interactions that's even including not tom that-
1: cruise and nicole kidman offset
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um yeah and you know there's tom cruise being more like tom cruise the star movie actor you know like the the, the mega star movie actor you know being confident and like you said he had the script he he still does repeat what she says Uh, (laughs) she may not even be coming back and he's like she may not be coming back
1: (laughs) It was like the script writer had to meet a word a particular word uh, uh limit I think I've read somewhere
0: that somebody was saying this is another clue that this is all coming out of his own mind, you know, yeah. because like he that he was the one that thought up their lines.
1: Yeah. OK, so at this point, uh, Tom Cruise walks out on the street, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there is there's a part there that I wanted to to talk about, because very clearly in the newsstand, if you look at the newspapers. Yeah. The headline says, lucky to be alive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he got he he buys that newspaper that says, yeah, I guess it's that. the Post or the Daily yeah. News or
1: something. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, which is, again, we haven't talked too much about the theme of death being related to the themes of sex, but here I think is the most clear linkage of uh, sex and death um, being yeah. that HIV positive was. That's right. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. So like, it's lucky to be alive that you didn't have sex with Domino. Not that they yeah. came that close, but... Uh, <laughs> for him. He, yeah, when for he him. tells
1: the story, he'll yeah. be like, I almost hit that shit button. <laughs> uh,
0: but, uh, but also lucky to be alive because he went to that party. And, yeah,
1: and I think just with the general Freudian theme, um, yeah. death, birth, and yeah. life, um, lucky to be alive in general. Yep, uh, yep. And he yeah. goes to a cafe, and uh, the requiem in that is playing in that cafe. By the way, the minute he walks mm, into the cafe, Mozart's requiem, which is you know his that's death right, March, um, is playing. So yep. and and it's green. The cafe is very green as well. Yeah,
0: and maybe uh, an, another Amadeus illusion. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's a four. It's a, clearly a four rooms. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The third of the four rooms. <laughs> the one with
1: Madonna the, in it.
0: The one that was by the woman who directed <laughs> Gas Food Lodging. Uh, <laughs> oh, I did pick the worst one. Uh, Is that the worst one? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I didn't see. Yeah, so so then he sees that someone OD'd named Amanda and, and died – And I don't know, like I was asking Eliza this because we watched it this last time together. Like, is there any reason for him to think that that's the woman that sacrificed herself for him? Like he knows that her name is Mandy and he he might suspect that it's the same woman that was sacrificing herself because he's seen her naked body, even though he couldn't see her face right but, and
1: and interestingly the the sound is very good like the the way that people talk coming out of the masks is yeah. very masked as well like it yeah. sounds like they're talking through a mask so so yeah he would only have her tits um to yeah. as as Ziegler
0: which he claims to not look at or really yeah. care about when he's a doctor. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: In any case, he does, and it's a very strange scene in the coroner's office. First of all, he, he does another one of these, I'm a doctor. Yeah. It's like, so I can just examine this random dead body. And then he opens up the the drawer that she's in. And, and then he just stares at her and kind of lowers his head over her.
1: Yeah, he is, that's right. He's not facing her in from from the direction of it's like upside down, looking at yeah. pain he's yeah he's like upside down like uh 69ing her face <laughs> <Right>? exactly <laughs> and
0: very slow like everything he does very slowly yeah. just kind of um and like if you're the guy it's like what the fuck are you doing why yeah, are you yeah, here yeah. what what are you trying to <laughs> I don't care figure doctor. out? doctor yeah
1: uh i feel like so. this might also be the only black guy in the in the movie <laughs> <laughs> yes
0: right it's not this is not trying to tackle like anything about race
1: <laughs> this is not woke
0: yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe there's a, like Michael Jordan is at the party. at the orgy. <laughs> So then he goes over to Ziegler's house. Uh, they're in this billiard room, which yeah, is great. very the colors of the room. I don't know. Uh, like, what do you red, think?
1: Red felt with the green lights. I mean, entire video essays exist about the color schemes in this movie. But yeah. obviously the red, the green, and the blue are all playing a role. And the red is uh like i think a very aggressive color and the green i think again is death or life i think that this is the moment where uh it's going to be determined what hap what happens you know he's he does does he accept the explanation and stop his search yep um or is he like he's banging his he's banging those billiard balls on the table yeah much like the orgy guy was banging the cane on the and yeah. he says,
0: about the billiard balls, he says, you feel like playing? And Bill says, no thanks, you go ahead, I'll watch. And I took that as, A, like he's always on the outside watching. Huh. Uh, you know, like he's never yeah, playing. Yeah. He's not like he was at the, the orgy. He's, n- right. he's he's watching. And also that like Ziegler is just throwing around billiard balls, like playing with like life, essentially. Like he sets these billiard balls in motion and watches how they, right. you know, interact right. with each other. So and And so bill is he's there he thinks almost to try to find answers himself but what's really happening is ziggler is telling him like we will kill you if you keep pursuing this
1: i mean so he came with a newspaper clipping and he's like yeah. dude this is the chick that that saved me at that party mm-hmm. like did you guys really kill her and yeah. he's like what her come oh, on we she's knew she was gonna die she's a junkie you know yourself you know, you saw what she was like. You saw her almost die. And he does this very dehumanizing thing again, where he says, the one with the great tits who OD'd in my bathroom. Yeah. You know, which is like, she's not a real human. She's not yeah. one of them. Um, yeah. And so Tom Cruise has to decide. And so so he spins this what? like, as uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, no, no. I was just going to say that, like, uh, before we get to like the explanation, first he has to prove to him that he knows what Tom Cruise has oh, been yeah, up to, right. yeah. and uh, he says, uh, like, "Let's cut the so bullshit." Yeah, yeah, it's so awkward. <laughs> the whole scene is so awkward, and Tom Cruise. Every time he tries to say something, it's like every so often, if I'm trying to take a piss but I can't, and I'm like just trying to like will it out. That's like every time he <laughs> says something, it's like, but <laughs> I. What happened to Nick Nightingale? You know, like, but he is finally saying, "Look, you didn't. I was there. I know what you did. You fucked up with the password, uh, the second password, and it's not because you didn't know it, but because there wasn't one. Which I don't know, like, what the import of that is, but it sort of implies that he could have gotten away with it if he was a little savvier. Yeah, but he." He yeah. wasn't savvy enough. Yeah. And then what you're alluding to, just the phrasing of what he says uh, when he brings up Mandy, because he, Bill says she offered to sacrifice herself for me. What am I supposed to think? And then Sidney Pollack says, suppose I said that all of it was staged. Suppose yeah. I said it was fake. Fake. Yes, fake. And that the whole thing was just our way of scaring you into like being silent about what was going on at the party. Yeah. And I I, like it's a preposterous explanation, I think. Like the idea that these the, the, the richest people in the world are all going to participate because everybody was in you know, like in on it just to scare this one guy that they also clearly think they could kill without even like a second thought, like without getting their hands dirty at all. But what he is giving him, I think, is an, like an out, like a little like, here's something for you to believe so you can go on living with yourself. Yeah,
1: with a with a fairly unscathed conscience.
0: Yeah. It's like here, like that's the bargain. It's like a devil's bargain that he's offering yeah. him. I will give you, I'm not, it's not, I'm not even going to bother. I'm not going to take the trouble to make it sound plausible. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. say that like Henry Kissinger and like whoever <laughs> fuck else was at that party. all they all got together and like, all right, we got to do, we got to do like number three to try because there's an infiltrator. And so they all stop fucking and like go uh, into the big ballroom and go, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, there's so much artifice in that whole thing that who knows? I don't know. Uh,
1: yeah, I actually look, I think that that there's no answer here. Like, I think the big bad of the secret society threatening him is a big bad. And I think that's why the last the, the scene, uh, you know, what the mask on the pillow is adding to the whole like threat, possibly, yeah. depending on how you interpret it. I do think, though, that it is very plausible that she died from being from an od um because we saw that like it is true it's very possible and i do also think that it's very possible that these are just a bunch of rich fucks who every once a year have this party and they don't want to be found out so um so you get the sense it's more than
0: once a year but yeah well,
1: i don't get it i honestly don't get a sense of how often it is. well
0: just because what nick nightingale says like uh, it uh, seems like yeah
1: but but he might be going all, all over the country doing these that's that's true yeah Yeah.
0: i i I, here's the sense i get it especially when uh and sydney pollock is great in the scene but like when he kind of like is finally just like he kind of loses his patience towards the end and he's like all right get the fuck out like essentially like you know life goes on until it doesn't but you know that bill and he's like putting his hands on his shoulders from behind and just like all right i've already wasted enough time and I, i actually something you said earlier makes me think that he's might be resenting doing like errand work for like the yeah, secret society, so. you know. I, like, I got that
1: feeling too. Like, yeah. I, like he likes Bill because he's kind of responsible. Like he, it's like yeah. in the mafia, you vouched for him, yeah. and now he did this. Whatever it is, however serious the threat actually is, whether the the killing, whether there was a killing of the girl, or whether the girl who said that she'd sacrifice herself. Died for another reason, the threat is being made. Yes. Um, right. In that exactly. moment, with the like, you know, and Tom Cruise cringes when his, when Sidney Pollock puts his hands on his shoulders. And I yes. believe that there is an implicit threat.
0: Uh, yes. And I think this is where Tom Cruise realizes also if I thought I could get into this world I can't they have nothing but contempt for me they see me as just a like a like a like a servant like a waiter yeah. like right. anybody that they deal with or a prostitute like I am just a I am like the doctor version of a prostitute to right. them.
1: It hails to the days where like wealth and money were came from lineage and and family and merchant yeah. class included things like doctors and, and pharmacists or whatever like right. that's not yeah for us like doctors seem like oh you're a doctor right <laughs> one of the rothschild's properties i think, I think so too yeah yeah, yeah.
0: and uh that that the orgy was filmed that yeah. Yeah. yeah so again like illuminati like here and, and also what ziegler says like if you knew who was at that party and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell you who they were yeah. but if you knew you wouldn't sleep so well at night right right
1: um, definitely george w yeah. Um, he was there because he was in uh, Skull and Bones.
0: Yeah, so, and George H.W. too. George H.W. Yeah. But uh, he was
1: just watching at that point. I,
0: yeah, maybe. <laughs> this is the late 90s. Like, who's there?
1: Yeah, I think these are supposed to be the movers and shakers of the world, not the yeah. famous people. The masks might not be necessary because yeah. you might not recognize who's actually funding the arms sale. Like you know, yeah,
0: exactly. They're not celebrities. They're not, it's not Michael Jordan.
1: Yeah, celebrities are also merchant class. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly, celebrities are merchant class. It's yeah. a great way of putting it. So then he goes home, as you said, like he's just ushered out. Um, he's like Ziegler's done with him. He goes home, mask on the pillow, which we can talk about what that means. I, I will say, I think, like so, like couple of things it could be. Number one, the secret society saying, we can get to you, we can get in your house, we'll yeah. kill you and your family. Like that's kind of the, uh, maybe the most obvious one you might think of. Also, Alice finding the costume. and
1: because yeah, he had put the costume away. And,
0: and didn't have the mask when he was returning it. Also, I've seen Alice was at the party. Now, if you think this whole thing is a dream, which you definitely could, like sure, Alice was at the party. I don't yeah. think it's hard to imagine her being at the party based on the reality of what we yeah. saw because right. she's, she's like with her
1: daughter teaching her yeah. how to pick the richer men.
0: Well, not at two in the morning, but, uh, <laughs> no. but she was, we did see her like not looking like she was getting dressed up to go to an orgy no. um, right. when she called to interrupt him with Domino. Yeah. So then he says, I'll tell you, like he breaks down when he, he sees that. Down.
1: Like what a wuss.
0: He breaks down. <laughs> oh, like those guys on the street were right
1: I'd <laughs> I'd have Grabbed the mask and shoved it into the file cabinet with the lock and been like, what mask? I don't know what she's yeah. talking about. <laughs> uh,
0: well, she might not have ever seen the mask. You know, yeah, we don't, we not. never know. Wait, did yes. he grab
1: the mask? Like when she remember. wakes up and breaks down, I think the mask is still on the pillow, which is what makes me think right. that she put it there.
0: Yeah, maybe. We don't it's a very ambiguous thing because he he breaks down and says, I'll tell you everything, but we don't see what he tells her. No. We just cut to the next scene where she just looks like she's heard a lot. But again, it's like in both cases, it's like
1: neither of you did anything. No, I know. This is and I think this is why that essay that you sent me, the interpretation is really trying to move away from any kind of psychological one about their relationship, because it's really like not clear at all. Like she got mad and jealous, but like they're not giving us too much about their dynamic. Like they didn't they really didn't do anything. They got in an argument and he yeah. almost, you know, he inappropriately went up to a. <laughs> he almost so like fucked.
0: A, he almost fucked like seven women.
1: But. Yeah, and Alan Cumming, and uh, yeah. <laughs> but but again, like the important thing to tell of that night, I would think, is holy shit, man! I think the secret society is like uh, killed this woman right. that I like I went up to Ziegler's room at that party and she had OD and then she was there at this party the, the next night and like now she's dead. Yeah. That's I mean, what we he,
0: have to like move and maybe get in witness yeah. protection. But that's not they're just being like okay we told each other some dark sexual secrets which yeah. again I think is very like I think the dream more interpretation of this is really just a projection of all this pent up, I don't know, sexual frustration, sexual insecurity, feelings of inadequacy, feelings again, of being on the outside, like just imagining that there's this great orgy world of the super rich that you're just like almost able to attend, but you just don't know the script.
1: Yeah. Interestingly, um, her dream of seeing hundreds of people fucking it, add some credence to the the possibility that that was just his dream. Like they were both having jealousy and they both had parallel dreams. His was just like more fancy masks.
0: It does. Like, like you said, like every woman is essentially her, even at the orgy. They yeah. all like, you, we don't know yeah. necessarily, but they all kind of have that Nicole Kidman, like exactly. really long limbs, thin uh, model, looks like a model kind yeah. of uh, looks. And so it's like they were both having the dream, but she, and her, she was like one of the women in the dream and laughing at him, like probably yeah. the people at the party were. Right. And, so yeah. so then they go to a uh a store like as, as
1: <laughs> she's uh, smoking a cigarette she's like wait we gotta we gotta take Helena to a christmas shop christmas so, shopping so, yeah so she like, looks yeah, like she she's together
0: <laughs> she looks terrible like yeah. what he's told her is but again it's not like she seems scared of the people it's more like man yeah. i can't believe you would do that to me yeah. after, I I just, let those after I just after I just confess to you like that I desperately want to fuck this uh, navy guy and leave you <laughs> and Helena.
1: I can't believe you let a bunch of Yale dudes intimidate you. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe Yale, that's what it really? was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> can't fuck <laughs> up.
0: You're Tom Cruise. You can't fuck up like a bunch of like, at least assholes from Yale.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So they're shopping at the, at the whatever yeah. toy store, um, yeah. you know, yeah. there's some, some, something there maybe to be said about the materialism um, Definitely. And, the, and the teaching the, the girl to buy whatever she wants.
0: And also the fact that, like, that like one of the big toys is the magic circle, which is a oh, clear yeah, allusion yeah, to yeah. the circle of the orgy. And then the Barbie doll, which I think is, like, undeniably, like, a, yeah. like, an allusion to the orgy. And really, most of the movie has, like, dolls in it. That's what she wants. And Nicole Kidman's like, yeah. And then there's this, they start talking about what they're going to do right now. And there's interesting dialogue here that I think is also a clue about like the, the part where like reality doesn't tell the whole truth, and then he says, "and no dream is just a dream." Yeah. And 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 you could look at that as like, oh, it's nice. They're both recognizing that they've been unfaithful, kind of in different yeah. ways, and they're 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 validating it in yeah. in, in each other. And you know, on a like serious
1: a, Freudian, on, you know, on a, on a serious Freudian take of it, the dream, no dream is just a dream. So it, it says something to me that Kubrick might have uh, approached this text that he based this movie around. As the author of that text, approach, which was in a Freudian way, um, the reality of dreams is just as real as the reality of waking life. And so we must take seriously, there is serious emotional work that has to come from the fact that we had these dreams. That Tom Cruise may have had these waking experiences and that Nicole Kidman had them during a dream matters much less. What they need to do is work out how they're going to deal with yeah. what happened about them.
0: What Alice says then is the important thing is that we're awake now and hopefully for a long time to come. But you just don't that I, I like for someone who wants to read this optimistically, I just it doesn't seem like they're awake. Like it seems like they're still uh, their
1: eyes are wide shut. yes right (laughs)
0: uh like they still haven't fully come to grips with their position their relationship their status yeah he says forever and she says forever i don't like to use that word Um, it frightens me yeah Yeah. and then the the last line of any kubrick movie ever (laughs) she says there is something very important we need to do as soon as possible and bill says what's that I'm surprised he didn't say very important we need to do it as soon as possible. <laughs> uh what's that? And she says fuck.
1: Edgy. That's edgy. <laughs> it's so funny
0: cuz like I swear to god it also seems like Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman have never said fuck before. I like know. the way they, yeah. the way they say that word it's very much like not like how yeah. human beings say it.
1: Yeah. There is also something uncanny added to Nicole Kidman when she tries to hide her Australian accent. It sounds a little yeah. weird to me. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. it's almost like she's trying to do some regional American accent, <laughs> yeah. but I can't place where it's supposed to be because it's not. Right. Uh, but maybe Midwest or something. Yeah, like. Maybe. You get the sense maybe she could have been uh, out of the Midwest, plucked by somebody <laughs> plucked who by lived Dr. in New York. Dr. Bill, yeah. Yeah. But then, uh, while they're having that last little conversation, the daughter is kidnapped by two people from the first party. And, you know, nobody wants to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but there is this weird scene where she is walking through them. And if you want to take the conspiracy child sex, like, prisoner take on this movie... She walks in between them, keeps going down this aisle as they're about to have their final conversation. And there are two guys that come then in between her and the the parents. And she looks back almost like giving one last look. That's the last we see of her. And then we just have this thing. I mean, it's so quick and you can, you can run it back, which I have a few times and still not be sure that that's even supposed to be anything but i guess it's very strange that those two guys who come in there were at the first party and somebody located online like exactly where they were in the party they were sitting by the staircase when dr bill walks up and then all of a sudden they're they're there at the at the fa or schwartz or whatever so
1: i'm looking at the scene uh, yeah. right now i mean it is whatever it is they're clearly not a- paying attention to their kid <laughs> They yeah. probably and, and,
0: should. and never really have <laughs> no
1: like, yeah. no they're maybe they're just selling her off to be to just like uh millage did but in a different I, way
0: i mean yeah. that's what it, that's the sort of that's that interpretation is that that everybody's just whoring themselves out um for the super rich in in one way or another you know yeah
1: it is um this is why it's hard for me at the end to say okay This was about that theme that you just said, like whoring people. Because so much of the movie is spent trying to deal with these issues of jealousy and and stuff where it's like then it's a distracted movie or a movie that's trying to hit so many things at the same time that it that it uh,
0: or a movie about like a guy that feels threatened by a female sexuality and, yeah. and his wife's uh, the idea that there might be this like sexual paradise, uh, like th- just the hottest things going on. But but you don't have because you don't have the knowledge and you don't have the the script. And there are all these like secret dark things you know things going on with people's kids and it's like so all of this one person's just uncertainties and dark passions and insecurities are put in one movie and they all relate to this idea that there's something going on that you're left out of it's like a FOMO movie it's like there's something going on that you just can't crack uh whether it's women like your wife wanting to have sex or it's like uh an orgy or whatever it is like you don't you don't get to participate in it, you know.
1: Yeah, and the fear and anxiety that comes from maybe you aren't, you aren't able to satisfy your wife. You're not able to be a, a man in the way that you say you are, and you're not able to to be where in society where
0: like you're uh, missing out. You're missing out.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. what
0: did they say? Uh, don't you? The, what does she say about the doctors? Don't you worry about what you'll miss or something like that? Uh, oh yeah, uh, the models. Yeah, the model. Just think of all they miss, um, yeah. she says, about doctors. You yeah. Know? Yeah, like like miss both in, like, you don't get to participate in it, and also you, you're not even aware of it, like your wife wanting to fuck a, a, a Navy right. guy.
1: right. Yeah, so at the end, like, I was on this watch compelled by the thought that this is a movie about um, that's wrapping together these Freudian ideas of desire, like strong does, you know, for him, everything has its, every impulse comes from some sort of sexual desire, but also coming to terms with the female sexuality and the blending of dreams and reality. It all, it, it seemed to be that the eyes wide shut meant like this movie, you're just barely glimpsing what the true nature of things is. You're yeah. you're almost there, buddy. You almost realize that like yes. women want to fuck too, that you're being pimped out by the upper class, that uh, you're training your daughter to be just just like Milich is, like all of these things, you're almost there. Do you want it? Do you want to know it all, or do you want to keep your eyes wide shut?
0: Yeah, and when she says we're awake now, it's like, but are you? Because yeah. you seem like you're accepting the bullshit that Ziegler was spinning and just yeah. offering you as a way of keeping yourself in a dream, in a yeah. fantasy. Right. And it, Yeah, and that last scene is so ambiguous because at the same time, they are kind of connecting in a way that they hadn't yeah. earlier in the movie, but it still seems like this kind of stuff might pop up again. Yeah, are going to get back into these patterns.
1: And is it the case that peering... Peeping through the veil and seeing some of of what yeah. goes on will will that get you on the road to a better life or should you just close it right back up again? Like,
0: exactly right. Uh, That's and we I don't know I don't know the answer to that I don't, know. I don't even know because they no. were
1: living a perfect like perfect life right. You get you yeah got a, a in nice apartment. You yeah, get exactly but in the sense that in in the sense that uh, they didn't realize until yeah. this movie was. Right. We didn't
0: realize we were like not rich. We didn't realize we were, I didn't realize I was not sexually satisfying my wife. You know, like, like there's a lot of things, like you said, that they were, that, that they weren't aware of and that, and now they have a glimpse of it. But the question is like, should they just like close the book? Okay, we're done. Or should they, you know, try to actualize or something?
1: Yeah. And maybe in the way that we like this, this movie ends with a question and not an answer Um, yeah
0: i mean not literally because she does say that there's something (laughs) they definitely need to do i
1: i will admit that i just didn't like that performance of that delivery of that i just (laughs) didn't believe it (laughs) i didn't believe that they were gonna go fuck i didn't believe (laughs) that she desired i never believed that she desired tom cruise sexually
0: yeah, well, I think that's, that's a <laughs> running—that's a running issue. I think in a lot of his uh, <laughs> movies, I mean, uh,
1: Maverick and Goose. Okay, <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh my God! So I think with that we could do a whole thing on that. That movie is hilarious in terms of just like it's
1: not even thinly veiled. They're not trying that. to hide it. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I can't. I just looked at the time.
1: That's Have you seen The time it's, it's longer half, than the, longer than the
0: movie. How is I? I didn't realize. I had no idea that we were talking this long. <laughs> of course. Now that I look at the time. All right. Join us next time on Very Bad Wizards. a
1: very
0: good man, good man, they think deep thoughts and with no more brains than you have, pay no attention to that man, anybody can have a brain, you're a very bad man,
1: I'm a very good man, just a very bad wizard.